Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Everyone and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's seven o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Happy Thanksgiving Eve, Michelle Smallman. While you were sleeping, things happened overnight. There was some movement on the St. Yeah. Louis sports scene overnight. Randy, I went to bed early last night. I put my phone on Do Not Disturb. I woke up this morning. I checked my phone, and I went, what? <laughs> Crazy. The Cardinals, according to numerous reports, are signing left-hander Steven Matz to a four-year, $44 million contract. Could be worth up to $48 million. He was with Toronto last year, did not receive a qualifying offer, so the Cardinals won't have to give up a draft choice, won't have to give up any international pool compensation. So... Mats will slot in behind Flaherty and Wainwright and ahead of Dakota Hudson and Miles Michaelis, and he'll be the Cardinals' third starter in 2022 and beyond a four-year, $44 million contract. Also last night, Joel Courier and our friend Ben Fredrickson of stltoday.com and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch reporting that St. Louis attorneys and NFL attorneys are closing in on a settlement which would prevent the St. Louis NFL lawsuit from going to court on January 10th. Apparently all that was holding things up last night were trying to get in touch with all 32 owners to get their approval for such a settlement. I understand that that's a victory in itself. The fact that the NFL owners realized that this lawsuit was going so poorly for them that they probably should settle and that St. Louis and the legal teams are going to get a, a hopefully big monetary windfall from this. But I have to tell you, Randy, I was very disappointed when I read that story this morning because I really wanted a court of law to tell them that they were wrong. I really wanted them to have to be in a situation where they were uncomfortable and things had to be revealed and headlines would be going on about this while the Rams were hosting the Super Bowl at SoFi. And even though a settlement feels like a win, it also feels like a loss because it's just the NFL throwing money at a problem that they don't want to deal with. And Obviously, the suit was originally filed because of what had happened to St. Louis and specifically to the stadium task force. I was surprised because I was under the impression that yesterday was more of a courtesy that St. Louis was negotiating in good faith because the NFL hadn't negotiated in good faith in the Rams leaving town. And what it goes to show is that there's always a number, even if you don't think the number is less than outrageous if if, if you think a number is outrageous the nfl might not but clearly there was a number that they were comfortable in offering and that st louis was comfortable in accepting in moving on without a trial do we think it's in the billions i would think that it's got to be north of a billion dollars 
because their actual damages requested were the $550 million relocation fee plus the change in value of the franchise, which was $3.5 billion. So you're talking uh, almost $3.5 billion. They're, the actual damages requested in the original 2017 lawsuit had reached nearly $4 billion. So uh, I would think that actual damages would be something that, that I would ask for. Clearly, I wasn't in the room, and they might have a different... They, probably do have a different idea as to what that number is. We don't know what the number is. And one thing we know about Stan Kroenke is that there are a lot of NDAs, a lot Mm -hmm. of non-disclosure agreements. So it would be my impression that we probably will not ever hear what a final settlement was. And we will certainly never hear the NFL admitting wrongdoing in screwing St. Louis. And that is what is so disappointing yeah, about this yeah. is, yes, the money is something that you want out of this, mostly, at least from where I sit, because that's what's going to make NFL owners pay is when they have to give up money. But it was so much more than this. It was about integrity. It was about the NFL not getting what they wanted for once. It was for the NFL having to face the consequences of their poor actions for once. And it just seems like a settlement is an easy way out for them. We're going to hit this harder at the bottom of the hour at 7.30. I do want to make one point, though. It does appear that Stan Kroenke's ploy worked in terms of telling the other owners, hey, I'm, I'm going to bail. I'm not going to pay because if if all 32 owners are being called here, clearly they are working in concert now rather than as a fractured group. And the belief was that the reason that he told the NFL owners that he wasn't going to agree with the indemnification clause was to try to pull everybody together. And it appears that that part of it worked. What a bummer. Yeah. Let's talk about Steven Matz last year with the Blue Jays, 14-7 and with a 3.82 earned run average. He's made at least 29 starts in three of his six full seasons in the majors. He has been through Tommy John surgery. Michelle, he is completely a strike thrower. He is a pitch-to-contact guy. Last year in 150 and two-thirds innings pitched, he only walked 43. He struck out 144. He was really bad in the COVID season, 0-5 with a 9.68 earned run average. That was for, for the Mets, his last year with the Mets. He did walk 10, but in only 30 innings of work. I really, I think we all do. We throw the COVID season out. Yeah, it really doesn't yeah. even count. Uh, in 2019, 11 and 10 in 160 in a third innings. He walked only 52, struck out 153. And the year before that, through 154 innings, struck out 154 and walked 58 in going 5 and 11 with a 3.97. We know that the Mets' defense and offense were hideous in the last few years that he was there. Just look at Jacob deGrom's record and you'll get an idea. So Mats certainly was victimized by playing on a bad Mets team. And this defensive team is right up his alley. This is perfect for Steven Matz. And I really think the Cardinals made a nice move, a middle-of-the-rotation move. I'm like you. I would have preferred that they spend $100 million on Max Scherzer. But the reality was that wasn't going to happen. The Cardinals have never spent $100 million on a free agent. And $44 million over four gives them a little bit more wiggle room to go out and sign a couple of more relievers, fortify their bench a little bit. And getting this done before the CBA expires to me is really important. I agree. And I like that the Cardinals were aggressive in going out and getting the guy that they identified as the one that could help them. I think his makeup is exactly what the Cardinals were looking for. As you mentioned, let the defense work. He has a a sub four ERA and 29 starts. And 
everything that I read about him, Randy, coming out of Toronto was he was the unsung hero. He was the guy that this rotation looked to a lot to help the, the, the Blue Jays in their turnaround. And they loved him there. And I think he's going to be a great fit here in St. Louis. I know, as you mentioned, a lot of people are probably disappointed that the headline is not Max Scherzer mm-hmm. is coming home. But I think that this was a solid signing for the Cardinals. A career 2.7 walks per nine innings. And he's actually been pretty consistent right around that number. Last year, 2.6, 2020, 2.9 per nine innings. 2019, 2.9 walks per nine innings. Did get it up to 3.4 in 2018, but then 2.6, 2.1 in his first major league season in which he pitched only six games, it was 2.5. So you can expect him to be right around 2.6, 2.7 walks per nine innings. What I want to see now, I want to see them go out and get another starter, maybe even if it's just a non-roster invitee, and have a, a legitimate sixth starter. Don't count on Jake Woodford or Alex Reyes to be your sixth starter in a year where you plan on going to a World Series. Get a guy that's done at the major league level before, maybe a reclamation project. The other thing this does, Michelle, my opinion, it, it certainly puts Alex Reyes in your bullpen again. Mm-hmm. And I think he might start the season as your closer. And how do you feel about that? Good, great. He's got the best stuff down there. I love Gallegos. But he should be prepared now to pitch six seasons because or six months of a season like he did last year. And hopefully he'll have more gas in the tank at the end of a season than he did in 2021. Well, what role do you expect Jordan Hicks to be in? I'm If Jordan Hicks pitches, I'll be stunned. If Jordan Hicks' career continues, I'll be stunned. I'm, I don't expect him to pitch at all. The way things went last year and then leaving the Arizona Fall League after only, what, four and a third or four and two-thirds innings, I just don't see that happening. Even though he said he feels healthy and didn't feel like he needed anything more from the Arizona Fall League, you think that he is done? That's what I think. He The last time he's pitched consistently was... While the Blues were in the playoffs trying to win the Stanley Cup. That was a while ago. Yeah, it's been a minute for him. So uh, until I see it, here's a guy that basically hasn't pitched for two and a half years. Until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. So I'm not going to count on him. But if you have Reyes and Gallegos and hopefully bring Garcia back and you have Helsley and Cody Whitley and uh, see, that's why another reason I'd like to have another sixth starter down there a good version of daniel ponce de leon does that mean (laughs) but that's what i want i I want a long reliever somebody that can give me multiple innings down there and i do think the cardinals have enough arms that if they add garcia and maybe another arm down there that they can do well and i still would like to have all due respect to lars newtbar we all love him great guy Mm -hmm. we all loved going newt love all of that but I want a guy who's been through the battles before. I want a left-handed hitting outfielder that is is a professional pinch hitter. Even if we have the DH, I want a professional pinch hitter because Lars Zubar has played every day his entire career. He hasn't had to be a bench hitter. Being a, a, a real pinch hitter is a hard job, and I hope the Cardinals can get some guys because how much did that kill them last year in the first half of the season when they started the year with Kisner on the bench, Edmundo Sosa on the bench, Rondon came up, Carpenter was on the bench but couldn't hit anymore, and then you had Austin Dean and Justin Williams. You had no veteran quality pinch hitting available, mm-hmm. and I believe you need that if you're going to succeed. And I think we we see that with the Dodgers, and we, we saw it with Atlanta when they picked up the four outfielders. Yeah, You need to have professional hitters 
sitting there on the bench so that when Ali Marmol needs a guy, he can go to him and not think that that guy's going to strike out. Going out and getting Steven Matson, especially doing it now, does that give you the sense that the Cardinals are, in fact, going for it, that they are going to be aggressive and that this isn't the only move that they're going to make? Yes, because they had roughly $30 million to play with, and this is 11 of that 30. So I do think that with the extra $19 million, there are a lot of really good moves out there to be made to have a real significant 26-man roster or 27-man roster on opening day. When you have to have, as much as we love Matt Carpenter, when you have to have Matt Carpenter on your roster, that's a problem, right? The 2021 version of Matt Carpenter. That's a problem. The Cardinals should be able to upgrade there. When you have Justin Williams or a rookie like Nudbar on your roster, you should be able to upgrade, just like the Braves did during the season. They need players, especially with a rookie manager, where it's kind of foolproof, where whoever you pick you can think, okay, they've got a chance to do something. There were too many guys last year on the roster that didn't have a chance to do anything. I hope that they make another move soon. I don't want them to wait until the CBA is done. No, I'd prefer to have their roster kind of in place Mm -hmm. by the time the CBA is done. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Even though all this stuff is happening, we're going to still have Ask Uncle Randy. It's a Thanksgiving edition of Ask Uncle Randy, and there's a lot going on. We obviously have Stephen Metz. We have the settlement. We have a lot of basketball. By the way, congratulations to Illinois. They beat K-State at Bruce Weber last night, 72-64. Congratulations to SLU basketball. They knocked off Illinois State last night. And uh, Mizzou playing tournament ball, too, right? What's going on with the Tigers? Tell me, people. Thought I had, thought I had this here. Well, slew one last night, and so did Illinois. So congratulations to them. Ask Uncle Randy is coming your way. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And we've got that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Uncle Randy spent the better part of yesterday and last night in the kitchen. We made some uh, breakfast of champions, silk, French silk pie for the uh, the crowd today. Very delicious. Danny Mac asked for a uh, carrot cake, so we've got that in the in the fridge. He's uh, when he comes in, he'll have a carrot cake waiting for him. And then what else did I do? Oh, I just made dinner. I made some uh, some grilled chicken, and it was great. So, uh, Uncle, Uncle Randy has multiple talents, and uh, one of them is being able to hang out in the kitchen. Not everything is of high quality, but I can at least hang out in the kitchen. Yes, you can. But I can only speak to your desserts, Randy, and they are exceptional. I'm glad you like them. You should open a bakery. I'm happy with this job. With this job? Yeah. Well, then I'm, I'm not suggesting you leave, Randy. No, no, no. We don't want you to leave. <laughs> but maybe on the side, you could open up a bakery. Okay. I'll, I'll work on that. Just a suggestion. Okay. So anyway, it's Ask Uncle Randy. And uh, here we go. First question from the 636. Dear Uncle Randy, what do you think the Cardinals will do with Matthew Liberatore to start the season? If I were in the Cardinals' shoes, and I'm not, I'll give you what I think they'll do. What I would do is treat him just like they treated Adam Wainwright in his rookie year in 2006. He was in the bullpen and then moved into the starting rotation in 2007. What I think they'll do is have him 
getting stretched out at Memphis and ready in case there's an injury. I think Libertor, Oviedo, Jake Woodford, maybe Woodford's here as your sixth starter. Maybe he's that guy we were talking about earlier that's a good version of Daniel Ponce de Leon. Zach Thompson, I think Memphis will have a pretty good rotation, and I think that's what the Cardinals will do is start Libertor there. From the 636, hey, Uncle Randy, what does a prospective NFL settlement say about a future expansion franchise in St. Louis? Does this help hurt, or could it be something in the deal? Or is an NFL team ever coming to St. Louis again just a pipe dream? I have heard from people very close to the lawsuit that that very word, pipe dream or pie in the sky. Those are the, the words that I had heard. And I've tried to caution people to not daydream too much about the possibility of an expansion franchise. I would think that a settlement probably seals our fate as an NFL city. That with the fact that the NFL owners are going to have to pay St. Louis a lot of money to get out of this lawsuit, that our relationship is really toxic with NFL ownership. I would think as long as these owners are around, we are not getting a franchise. It might be best for everyone involved to just walk away. Yeah, (laughs) and it was interesting the other night to see all the sponsors of the Musial Awards. And those are all the, the wheelers and dealers in town in sports. And you just look at the list and you say, okay, are they involved with soccer and the Blues? Are they involved with soccer and the Blues? Are they involved? Every, all the the big companies are involved with soccer and the Blues. If not ownership, then really being a big part of their sponsorship and their partnership. The, the leadership of this town, both from a political and a corporate standpoint, appears to be focused on making the Blues and St. Louis City SC succeed rather than trying to add to that group. And I understand why fans would want a team. I get it. Yeah, but it'd be just, good for us. It would be great, but it just doesn't seem like it's reality. No. Which is important, obviously. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, I'm about to graduate with my MBA. Congratulations. Congratulations. And my present company paid for it. There appears to be no advanced positions available there. Is it ethical for me to look for a job elsewhere after my current company has covered my tuition costs? All right. One time... I was in a situation where I was going to leave a job that I never actually really started. And I was going back to a job that I had. And I was talking to veteran St. Louis radio personality Guy Phillips about it, who gave me this bit of wisdom. So Uncle Randy stole this, but I'm going to use it and you can use this. Nobody loves you like you love you. So if there's a better position out there for you, I would absolutely take a look at that. There's absolutely no doubt that eventually you're going to leave that company. Even though they paid for your MBA, at some point you're going to leave that company. Now, one thing I would do is go to them and say, what does my future look like to you here at this company? You just paid for my MBA. Where where do you see me in three years? And if they say, well, where you are, then go look. But I would give them the right of first refusal, essentially the benefit of the doubt. And I would go to them and ask where they see you in three years. And you might be surprised because if they're investing in you as mm-hmm. an employee and investing in your MBA, then they want to see you succeed right. within their company. So even though right now it might not appear that there's a spot for you to advance within that company, maybe they have plans that you're unaware of. Right. But I do think ultimately the final question you ask yourself when making a decision like this is, Who loves me more, them or me?
It's always going to be you. Yeah, who, who, <laughs> yeah who, who cares about me and my future more, them or me? So, yeah, it's always nobody loves you like you love you. Good advice. From the 573, Uncle Randy, have you ever considered starting a YouTube channel for your smoking skills? I bought a pit boss and I'm trying to learn. I've never considered that, but I will consider that because I do use the Traeger on a pretty regular basis. I talk about them a lot. I should actually do, they're getting a lot of free advertising, let's face it. They should pay you to have a cooking yeah, channel. Yeah, they, they should. That is something I will consider for 2022. Maybe that's something that we could do in conjunction with 101 ESPN. And uh, we could maybe do a, a bi-weekly segment or something like that. Or okay. would that be semi-weekly? Every two weeks is semi-weekly, right? Bi-weekly would be twice a week. I'm not doing twice a week. No. But maybe every other week. Wouldn't that be bi-monthly? Bi-monthly, yes. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Or semi semi would be half weekly how about we'll just say frequently okay yeah every other week <laughs> <laughs> and i'll try this on for size what if you're doing your smoking your cooking and answering uncle randy questions okay we could do that it could be uncle randy's kitchen advice right because we're if we're doing for example ribs we've got four or five hours worth of Question answering to take care of. We can do that. Because there's always so many good questions that are left on the table. There are. So a lot of questions, obviously, about the settlement, mm -hmm. uh, the potential settlement with the Rams lawsuit. But this one from the 618. Hey, Uncle Randy, do you think there's a possibility of getting an NBA team in town? I think that the possibility of getting an NBA team is greater than the possibility of getting an NFL team. I do know, when I, when I say that I don't hear buzz about an NFL franchise in St. Louis from corporate people, I, I don't, but I do hear from some people that they would like to pursue an NBA franchise. Is it like it was in 93, 94, 92, 93, 94, when there was no doubt that St. Louis was hot on the heels of an NFL franchise? It's not that kind of buzz, but you and I both know people that are interested in mm -hmm. bringing an NBA franchise to St. Louis that would, I, I believe, have the wherewithal to do so. The problem there is, is the is there an NBA franchise available for St. Louis? Yeah, we've both had conversations with people who have the capital to get it done mm -hmm. and are very interested in getting it done and have had conversations. But so many things have to fall into place for that to yeah. happen. But there is interest from people that could make it happen. Yeah, and wouldn't need to build a stadium because you've already got Enterprise Center. That would be a different animal altogether because signage, partnerships, they would be much easier in the same building as the Blues. Mm -hmm. That would be fun. Yeah. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, given the signing of Stephen Matz, what would you expect out of him to say that this was a good signing for Mo in the front office? Good question. I would say that if he can give me a year, he would exceed my expectations if he would give me his year from last year in which he threw 150 and, and two-thirds innings to a 3.82 ERA. Here is his 162-game average, and this is exactly what I would expect. Essentially, uh, an 11 or 12-game winner that has an earned run average of, a four, of about 4.2, and most importantly, gives you about 160 innings. If he does that, that will meet my expectations. And obviously, I don't want him walking people. His career, as we mentioned, career walks to nine innings is 2.7. So if he can give me 160 innings, low walks, and an earned run average between uh, below 4.25, I would take that.
From the 618, Uncle Randy, how do I get my wife to understand that the first plate never has turkey on it? The amount of other Thanksgiving food that is out there, it is only an option a few times a year, has to be taken first in case there's not enough for plate number two at halftime of NFL game one help. Everybody has their own opinion as to how to arrange their Thanksgiving plate. I don't think you need to convince her. Just tell her she's doing it wrong. She or just say you you worry about your own plate. Yeah, exactly. So if if you're going turkey second, I have no problem. I think that's actually a very nice play because you're <laughs> you're going mashed potatoes, you're going uh, mac and cheese, mm-hmm. you're going stuffing. Maybe you like some cranberries on there cranberry sauce maybe that you sliced or something like that you mean the can yep the gelatin yeah maybe a little roll on the side there's no room left for turkey i and then you the thing is you get gravy now i put gravy on my turkey on thanksgiving too but you put gravy on your mashed potato oh and i forgot sweet potatoes you gotta have those too but you put uh, turkey on your gravy or gravy on your stuffing and gravy on your mashed potatoes you a gravy person no i think it's so gross and overrated i think gravy is a necessity on those I think what you're doing, and I'm glad you're asking Uncle Randy, and you're actually giving Uncle Randy quality advice here, too, is that's a great play to go turkey last. And clearly, this person has really thought this out Mm -hmm. to an exact science. You're getting plate number one with the sides that you don't get any other time of the year, and you're going for plate number two during halftime of NFL game number one. You've already done the prep work here. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks about your plate. This is your Thanksgiving meal, and you consume it as you please. But I do think it would be valuable if your wife has questions about the way you're assembling your plate. If you explain it just that way, I don't see how anybody could argue that. Say, babe, I have turkey all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't have yams all the time. I don't have stuffing all the time. I'm taking advantage of the day and I'm having all of this stuff first. I, I can have leftover turkey sandwich tomorrow and it'll be delicious, but stuffing not so great in the microwave. Yeah. Yams? No. Yeah. Mashed potatoes? No. Not leftovers. Turkey? Great leftover food. The other ones, the other parts of Thanksgiving, aside from mac and cheese, not so great in leftover fashion. Yeah, I also just, I'm going to circle back to this. You worry about your own plate. You get what you want. Yeah. We all have different tastes. We all have different preferences of the way we like to construct the plate. Why are you concerned with what I'm doing? Yeah. Now, the other interesting part of this is halftime of the first NFL game. That's an early dinner, early Thanksgiving dinner, right? A lot of first... people eat early. So we're we're a traditional 2, 3 o'clock family. But this year, because my son is going to his girlfriend's parents' house in that two to three window. We've moved back to like six o'clock. I was just gonna say, I think so many people have multiple stops that Thanksgiving meals have to be arranged in different time slots. You know, some families say, we're gonna take the early shift because I know half Mm -hmm. of the family has to leave and go to somewhere else for the later shift. Right, so I don't have any problem with that. I'll just put the turkey in a little bit later tomorrow. Nice. Good. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. And thank you very much for all of your texts for Ask Uncle Randy here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, NFL news and notes and a little bit more. And we want to hear your thoughts on the settlement. And we're going to give you a few more details from Joel Courier and Ben Fredrickson at stltoday.com. The NFL and St. Louis nearing a settlement on their four-year-old case. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
news last night at about midnight at stltoday.com, courtesy of Ben Fredrickson and Joel Courier at stltoday.com. A monetary settlement nearing completion in the Rams relocation lawsuit, a source with direct knowledge of the negotiations, told the Post-Dispatch the figure of the settlement not yet disclosed. Lawyers representing Rams owner Stan Kroenke and the NFL were in St. Louis yesterday for a mediation session with lawyers representing the city, the county, and the regional convention and sports complex authority to discuss settlement possibilities. A source said lawyers were working late Tuesday night to inform all NFL owners of the deal. And... Once the owners all approve the deal, apparently it would be finalized. We'd like your take on this via the mic drop, the Rhino Shield mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. How do you feel about it? Or you can text us 65780. Michelle, I was under the impression that this mediation and basically what happens is the St. Louis lawyers sit in one room, the NFL lawyers sit in another room, and a mediator goes back and forth between the rooms trying to bridge the gap between the two sides and evidently they were able to do that the mediator was able to do that throughout hours of negotiations yesterday i was under the impression that this was basically a courtesy on the part of st louis to show that yes we're negotiating in good faith we want to make sure that their side is heard by us and that our side is heard by them clearly the nfl owners and Cronkies. uh attorneys came in with a number that was attractive to St. Louis. Which is disappointing, I think, for a lot of fans, including myself, because this was so much more, Randy, than the money, I think, for so many people, because how is this money really going to impact St. Louis? The average former Rams fan, how is this money really going to benefit them? And that's why I think so many fans were holding on to the idea of a potential expansion team because they thought that there would be something in it for them because they poured their money and their heart and their emotions and their time into this team for a long time that was ripped from them, unfairly ripped from yeah. them. And I think St. Louis felt so good about this lawsuit, and I'm speaking about the fans and, and St. Louis as a blanket here, felt so good about this lawsuit because the NFL was in an uncomfortable position. And this wasn't just about the money. This was about exposing them. This was about having a court of law tell the entire country slash the world what they did was fraudulent. Yep. And that only really comes when you go into court. And what the average fan around the country will see now, if they're paying any attention at all, is that St. Louis was described essentially by Kroenke on the way out the door as a cesspool. And if there is non-disclosure, if it's just money, it will be continually thought of as a cesspool that got some money from NFL owners. That that part of it, the perception of St. Louis, unless there's a statement released by the NFL saying that we were wrong, which I don't think will happen, that perception of St. Louis will continue and nobody's doing anything about that. And it, it just feels like yesterday we were talking about the L.A. Times writing about this mm -hmm. lawsuit and that it was finally getting the national traction that we had all wanted it to. There was football fans around the country that were texting each other saying, hey, are you seeing what's happening in St. Louis? This is a big deal. We should be paying attention to this. The L.A. Times is covering it. It's going to be something that we need to have on our radar. What they did to St. Louis seems like it was wrong. The NFL is in a bad position. And it feels like a settlement is a win for the league because they can just throw yep. money at a problem, which is something they have an abundance of, they don't have to go to court and they don't have to say that they were wrong. There's no exposure of all of the dirty intricacies that went on behind the scenes to allow this to happen. And it just seems like there will be no headline, just, oh, 
it, it will be an, an asterisk at the bottom. Oh, the Rams and the NFL settled the lawsuit yeah. with St. Louis. It will not be the big explosive headlines, and more importantly, the vindication I, I think a lot of fans want. Yep. Some text 65780 in all caps, no settlement. We need the dirty laundry. Expose the lies and corruption. The rest of the world needs to understand what we have gone through over this. Yes, we know about the lies and corruption. And part of the problem here is that the the league is not going to be exposed nationally. But, you know, I th- Michelle, I think a lot of owners, when they got into this, they didn't even know what they were doing when they voted for the Rams to move to Los Angeles. I wonder if people would rather just go home and watch the Bears and Lions on Thanksgiving and not even concern themselves with what happened in St. Louis or watch the Super Bowl. Is Yes, we would like the country to know what scoundrels the NFL owners are, but is the general football fan in Buffalo, New York, going to care about St. Louis? I think they might if this goes to trial and they see everything that happened because there is conversations right now in Buffalo about a new stadium. Mm -hmm. This is not St. Louis is not going to be the last market where a team is moved or where a stadium situation is presented. And I think if you had St. Louis winning in a court of law and all of this stuff being revealed, it would be on the radar of a lot Mm -hmm. of other NFL fans. And when things like what's happening in Buffalo about the stadium happens, they would use St. Louis as the template. They would say, we're not going to let what happened in St. Louis happen here. And we know how dirty the NFL can be. Whereas now I just think it gets brushed under the rug from the 314 we should all be concerned about the way the city will manage those funds in large part the city has not demonstrated the ability to manage money well well psl holders we we got our money and it we were the ones yes we in the county and the city we ultimately should benefit from the way money is spent i i gotta tell you I don't pay enough attention to the way tax dollars are spent. I know that we can just say, we can throw a blanket over all government and say, they don't spend money well. I I can't tell you whether, I, I know Chicago politics is dirty. I know Illinois politics are dirty, but I really don't know how my tax dollars are spent down to the penny. Which is why I think this feels like a loss for so many fans because they're not, they wanted an emotional victory here. Mm -hmm. They wanted something that they could look at and feel invested in. And this feels like a win for the NFL. I'm sorry. It feels like once again, St. Louis sports fans are the victims of money. That money is the prevailing thing in all of this, whether it was ripping the team out of town so that Stan Kroenke and the owners could line their pockets or the city now getting a financial windfall. Where is the fans victory in all of this? It does not feel like a win for the St. Louis sports fans. And it's upsetting. No. How many times have we said on this show, this is our Super Bowl. And yeah, we, it, it feels like a Super Bowl loss. It does. It feels like a big time loss. And I know that a lot of people are going to make a lot of money off of this. And that is a win in some regards because the NFL does not want to have to pay St. Louis. They don't want to have to write one check for one dollar. So it is a win that they are going to have to pay. But the trial would have been the ultimate vindication. And we're not going to get that. That was ripped from us, too. We'll get more reaction about the apparent settlement between St. Louis and the NFL as this show unfolds. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it 
or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It. Michelle, last Friday night, Bears head coach Matt Nagy at a high school football game watching his son play for Lake Forest in its game against Cary Grove when the Cary Grove fans started chanting, Fire Nagy! A video from the scene shows the synchronized shouts were loud and frequent and Nagy and his son and the rest of his family heard them all. Take it or leave it. This is bad form on the part of the Cary Grove fans. Big time take it. That is so lame. This is not the Bears coach in that moment. This is a father. And that is just gross. And, and his they son. Sh- and his son, who has nothing to do with this. And those people that did that should be ashamed of themselves. I'm embarrassed for them. Have some class. Yeah. It's Bears fans as a group should be embarrassed a because they clearly have no clue about football and b because of their actions at a high school game and at the game on on sunday with the fire naggy chant i get the 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 fire naggy stuff but what you're showing me when you're saying fire naggy is that you really don't know what's going on with the sport also don't involve his family don't involve his son that has nothing to do with this and more importantly his son's teammates too like this is an escape for for them this Mm -hmm. is his personal life don't don't do that. Yeah, pretty be lame. Be, be better. Carrie Grove, Chicago. Bad on you. Be better, Carrie Grove. Hashtag be best. <laughs> well, speaking of Matt Nagy and the Bears, Randy, we get the Bears at the Lions tomorrow, 11.30 a.m. Oh, kick. Oh, can't wait. It's going to be a barn burner. Take it or leave it, though. The Lions defeat the Bears, and Matt Nagy gets fired. He becomes the first Bears head coach to get fired in season in over 100 years. So we had that report yesterday. From a Pulitzer Prize winning local reporter in Chicago named Mark Conkle. I'm going to leave that though. But there's gonna... also reports that a lot of the players within the, the facility, players on the team, mm. want him fired. So are they going to quit on him? They could, but man, it's the Lions. It is the Lions. But don't forget, the Lions have uh, played some teams pretty tough. There's a tie in there. And they, the Lions <laughs> traditionally have played pretty tough on Thanksgiving Day, too. I'm just going to leave it because I would hope that an NFL player has more pride than to quit. You're you're putting your resume on tape for teams that might want to sign you when the new coach and general manager take over next year. So I would hope that they would try. And the country is usually captivated by most games, but you mm-hmm. are the game on the day when no one's working and everyone's watching. Yeah. Not a good time to quit. I don't, I don't think you have to quit on Matt Nagy. I think Matt Nagy's fate is, uh, his fate is probably sealed there. I, I th- would think that they'll start over from the ground up and replace Pace and Nagy. But if you lose to the Lions on Thanksgiving... Yeah. One of the problems that Matt Nagy has... And he is flawed. And part of his problem, he's kind of Spags-esque. There's no logical replacement for him on that staff. Mm-hmm. Spagnolo surrounded himself with yes-men and people that you, you couldn't foresee as head coaches. And Nagy's staff is very similar to that. 
All right, your text 65780, Andrew Marsh, what do you have for us? Yes, from the 636, take it or leave it. Today may be National Punch a Red Wings Fan in the Face Day, but every day is Punch Stan Kroenke in the Face Day. Okay, I'm going to take the, the latter portion there. Now, Punch a Red Wing Fan in the Face Day was built upon the Red Wings coming into St. Louis and all their stupid fans taking <laughs> over Enterprise Center. So what you could do is just grab a Red Wings fan by the the neck of the ugliest jersey in all of sports. Yeah, it's, a, then, it's a wheel with a wing. And Dumb. there's just the, the red and white. There's no real... Con, it's just not a good-looking sweater. It's it's really bad. So anyway, the, the the idea was to pop that Red Wings fan right in the kisser, and unfortunately, when they bailed on the Western Conference because they didn't want to face the Blues and the the Avalanche anymore, once they chickened out on being in the West, we kind of lost the rivalry. Mm-hmm. So uh, it wouldn't have been punch a Red Wing fan in the face day anyway because the Blues were on the road in Detroit. But it's kind of gone out the window because the, the Red Wings chickened out on the rivalry. But more importantly, uh, let's talk about the Stan Kroenke portion of this. Oh, yeah. The latter, yeah, absolutely. Every day. Yeah, if you can get him, especially if he would be wearing a Red Wings sweater. No, he won't he be would. wearing a sweater. No. He claims the only time he ever got sick was when he drank from the Stanley Cup for, from a team that somebody else had built for him in 2001. That's the only championship one of his teams have won. But... Uh, yeah, I don't think that he was wearing a, even an avalanche sweater then. Mm-mm. All right, from the 314, take it or leave it. Mo and the Cardinals just made their big splash. Take it. I'll take it. I don't think any move that they're going to ma- make will be bigger than this one. No, because, again, we thought they had about $30 million to spend. I don't think they're going to go out and get a $19 million player. All right, from the 636, take it or leave it. We don't need the NFL because we got the Battle Hawks coming back in 2023. Take it. I'll take that too. They're coming back. Also, we need some movement on the XFL front. The Rock. I know you're probably busy making some sort of mediocre action film, but what's going on? We need some news. First when of all, is the NFL coming or the XFL coming back? Forget the NFL. We need the XFL. We need our Battle Hawks. Okay, first of all, Michelle, it's Dwayne Johnson now. Oh, it's not The Rock anymore. No. Second Always of all, the rock to me, the rock yeah. in my heart. I'll tell you that. Every single video presentation that Dwayne Johnson has made has been stellar. Every single one. Yes. Stand by. Yeah, the show Ballers on HBO, great. The one about the earthquake in California, great. Randy Jungle Cruise. Are you talking about San Andreas? Great. San Andreas, great. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, Skyscraper? Great. Tell me one thing about Skyscraper. Well, the fact that he was able to climb that building just made it incredible. He, hey, he, He's one of the toughest guys in the world, and he can do things that nobody else could do. And then he wins at the end. Randy, Rampage? Hey, don't forget Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. There you go. I don't Michelle. know which one. I can't remember which one he he's in. It seems like they're making a new one every single year. That's but, true. Yeah, uh, Rampage. I do not. I'm not aware of. I'm going to have to watch that over Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> it's based on the old video game with the giant monkey okay. and the lizard. And see? see, this is good. Randy the Baywatch reboot. Guys. Oh, awesome! Now that is not a mediocre thriller, right? That's just you were talking about mediocre. Only, action films. That's not really an action film. It only got three stars. You know what, though? The Just only people saying. that really matter for me in terms of reviewing movies, the only person that matters is me. 
That's true. And you know what? Forget what we said. Dwayne Johnson, we love you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for reviving the XFL. Please bring us the Battle Hawks back. Cacaw! Yeah, there we go. Thanks, Andrew. You are welcome. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Coming up, are we still doing this draft? I don't, know, I don't know if we've changed things or not. Should we do a draft? I think we need to do a draft because I'm really bummed out right now. So I think we need to do something to elevate my mood. We I'm have just going to be honest. Yeah, a, a Thanksgiving draft, and we want you to weigh in on this because this is very important. I'm going to win next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> we are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnooks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. Eight oh two in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and yesterday Michelle Smallman was telling us how she knows everything about Thanksgiving, and she knows <laughs> what the best sides are, what the best desserts are, what the best games are. I said, "Fine, let's do a draft." So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have the turkey as a centerpiece because that's just what it is. Not that we all love turkey as our number one, but turkey is going to be the centerpiece. And we each get five choices. We get a choice of one of the three football games. We get the choice of a dessert and three sides. We're going to draft during that commercial break while Michelle was doing her live spot. Andrew and I did rock, paper, scissors (laughs) to determine that I was in last. He got to do rock, paper, scissors with Michelle and swept Michelle in rock, paper, scissors so that Andrew Marsh has the top pick in this sides, desserts, game draft. And He's troubled, Michelle. You can tell that he's having trouble figuring out here. He actually wants to do trades just in case. Yeah, ah. he, he's already offered a trade for the top spot. Yeah. I think, I think I'm going to keep it. I got to just stick with my gun. So oh, this is tough because you, you, it's all opinionated. And I guess that's what this a draft is, no, is, is, though. For me, it's not an opinion. Yeah. It's just the facts. Well, I know, me, I know it's a science Maybe and a I board. steal yeah. one of Randy's picks. Ooh. Because I know where he's going. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm actually not going to steal Randy's picks. I'm going cheesy potatoes. That's my Ooh, number one pick. Call. Cheesy potatoes. Okay. Can never go wrong with cheesy potatoes. One of my favorites to talk about. That's a huge mistake. Go ahead and fire the sounder. <laughs> That's like leaving Trevor Lawrence on the board. You go stuffing. When you have the number one overall pick on Thanksgiving of all days, you cannot leave stuffing on the board, Andrew. I'm stealing it from right underneath you, and I am building a franchise here. Thank you for giving me my franchise quarterback and stuffing. So Randy Carricker is on the clock, and we do have a snake draft here. So I have selections two or uh, three and four, and I am going to uh, I'm going to turn my card in. With the third selection in the 2021 Thanksgiving draft, Randy Carricker selects French silk pie. Oh, he, he, he had to make this move. There's only two good desserts. You've got to take one of the two good desserts. You've got French silk pie. You've got apple pie. And so you take one <laughs> of the two. So he, he made the play, and Carriker takes French silk pie, was able to steal it, shocked that French silk pie was on the board at number three. And because it's a snake draft, Randy Carriker coming back with pick number four. 
And because I I think I'm going to be able to get my second side choice coming back around, I am going to go. I am going to go with mac and cheese as choice number four overall. Carriker takes mac and cheese. Uh, linebacker, South Dakota State. Mac and cheese. This is falling exactly how I was hoping it would. Andrew, fire away. We are ready. She's rushing to the podium. I've got my franchise quarterback in stuffing. Let's give stuffing some protection with sweet potatoes. The far superior potato that's out there. I want the sweet potato casserole with the marshmallows on it. Damn it. Thank you, sweet potatoes. Welcome to Team Smallman. All right. Well, this makes my job very easy. So I have the next pick. I'm going green bean casserole or green bean hot dish. Depends on where you're from. That is my pick. I think so far I have a star studded lineup. And then, of course, I have the next pick. You do. Give me. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, the slide on Sunday night football, a.k.a. Thursday night football on NBC. And we have, who do we have? The Buffalo Bills and the New Orleans Saints. That's a great choice. That is exactly where I was going, so I commend you for that pick. It's like cake, it's like taking a quarterback a little early in your fantasy draft. Okay. So I still have one side available. I have a game available. And I have a dessert available. Where do we want to go here? Okay. The card is in. Go ahead, fire it. Since the other two games are basically a push for me, I'm going dessert here. Give me a caramel apple pie. Mm-hmm. Give me the caramel apple pie. Can I also add with vanilla bean ice cream? You may. Because that is how that that's is pretty good. That's how we do it up at the Smallman House. Okay. Good call. All right. So my third round choice, Michelle, you made this difficult for me by stealing my yams. Told you I would. Yeah. Uh, so I am going to make it up to the podium with the first of two back-to-back choices. All right, uh, starch me up. <laughs> I'm going with mashed potatoes. Okay, classic. Yep. Also it, bland, but whatever. Well, that's why I have gravy. I don't count gravy as a side. So mashed potatoes. Yeah, I'm, I'm traditional, Michelle. This is going to be a traditional uh, Thanksgiving Day feast and day. And being traditional, not as, well, you know what? I am going to go traditional. Here's... They've had a Thanksgiving Day game every Thanksgiving since 1947. Cowboys haven't always had that. The football Cardinals, 1975, 1977, had games here, actually, on Thanksgiving Day. So the Cowboys haven't been the traditional Thanksgiving fair for football fans. So I am going to take, with my fourth selection, the Bears at the Lions at 1130 St. Louis time. Okay. Thank goodness I didn't put that little trivia nugget in the fight. <laughs> I almost the, did. Oh. The Cardinals taking over the Cowboys for two years. Yeah, I was at those games. It was bad. Well, one of them, 
I went to see O.J. Simpson play because he was my guy as a kid. Mm. Slashing runner. <laughs> and a guy named Jim Braxton ran for like 169 yards and O.J. ran for something like 89. So that wasn't that great. The Cardinals lost 32-14. to 14. And then a couple of years later was the infamous game against Michelle's Dolphins, 55-14. to 14. It was horrible. Conrad Dobler threw his helmet, and that was pretty much it for the football Cardinals, the, the cardiac Cardinals. They were done after that in 77. That was bad. But, hey, I came home and had dinner. It was great. Well, I'm glad that you came home and had dinner, and it was great. Okay, guys, I'm looking at my draft here. Clearly, um, I'm not picking a game because there's only one available, so that's what I'm going to to uh, end my draft with, which means I have one side available. There are some options here. I could go vegetable. All right, I'm ready. Go ahead. You say starch me up, I say carb me up. Give me cornbread. Oh, cornbread, good call. Didn't even have it on my board, but still. Well, that's a mistake. Yeah. I mean, if I'm looking at my plate here, clearly the turkey is the main vehicle. I have stuffing, I have sweet potatoes, and I have cornbread. That's a good plate. That is a delicious setup there. That's pretty good. Followed by a caramel apple pie. Done. All right. A couple more picks for Andrew. All right. I have my last side. You know, this one, I don't think this one's a hot pick by any means, but it's one that I like, I think, for my franchise and my Thursday afternoon. It's going to it's gonna make me feel good. I'm going to go with deviled eggs. Oh, my God. Why are you trying to tank your draft? I'm not. I just, This is what I like. Michelle, give your opinion of deviled eggs. Trash. Really? Yes. Deviled eggs on airplanes, anything worse? <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, terrible. <laughs> okay. So you get another pick to make up for that. So you got a dessert. Since to go. we are in St. Louis. Oh, this is a good call. I like this. I'm going with gooey butter cake okay. as my dessert. I accept it. And I say good job to you, sir. Just a classic. Yeah, it is very, very close. No, I mean, is it, are we doing just classic gooey butter cake? Are we doing chocolate chip uh, no, gooey butter no, cake? No, no, we got to go with the go with the classic. Maybe even throw some gooey butter cake cookies in there too. Those are pretty good. Yeah. All right, fire it. Go ahead. I'm ready. One pick remaining. Mm-hmm. How about them Cowboys? Oh, you can have them. By default, I will take the Raiders and the Cowboys. 3.30 kick. But actually, that is my preferred game, not because of matchup, but because of timing. That's right when I'm ready to put the sweatpants on and lounge. Just saying. Okay, good call. So, Michelle was able to pick up stuffing after Andrew took cheesy potatoes with the first pick in the draft. My sides at the moment are macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes. Starts me up. My dessert is French silk pie, and I'm eating all of this after I watched the Bears and Lions in the early game. Tradition, tradition, rich franchise here. And I am going to go with a cranberry relish, which I'm surprised was not taken, but a very nice side here. How can you go through an entire Thanksgiving and not have cranberry, cranberry sauce, or cranberry relish. I don't know how you guys did it. You can because I'm going to wind up with something much better. So my plate ends up being 
Ho, ho, ho. Uh, turkey, obviously, we all have that as our centerpiece. Mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, cranberry relish with French silk pie for dessert. And this all comes after watching the Bears and Lions. Michelle, strong team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, she's got the turkey in the middle. She's got stuffing. She've got, she, she's got sweet potatoes. She's got cornbread. She talk about starch me up. Uh, caramel apple pie is the dessert. And then she's got, in the middle of the day, the Raiders and Jerry Jones. Congratulations on that. And Andrew took, uh, in a surprise, number one overall pick, cheesy potatoes. He's got green bean casserole as a side. He's got deviled eggs as a side. He's got gooey butter cake for dessert. And then he's going to watch the Bills Saints late on Thanksgiving. We're all dozing with tryptophan, and he's watching Bills Saints. The 618 says, Andrew had the draft all wrapped up till the deviled eggs. They will talk about that bust for years to come. Have to yeah, concur. Sorry. Well, well, hang on a second because we got another texter from the 636 saying deviled eggs are like the Julian Edelman. Pick the QB late, turn him into a Hall of Fame wide receiver. I'm building a culture here. <laughs> yes, a, culture a, culture a culture of here. trash. <laughs> Say so, what you want. <laughs> that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Bernie Federko next on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. This is Character and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. The Blues booth is brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has three convenient locations, Manchester, Crestwood, or St. Peter. Or visit online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Your St. Louis Blues have a Thanksgiving Eve tilt with the Red Wings tonight in Detroit. And Bernie Federko will be with Scott Warman on the pregame at 5.30. The game is at 6. Actually, they'll be at 6, 6.30 with the action on Valley Sports. You'll hear the action tonight here on 101 ESPN as well. And Hall of Famer Bernie Federko joins us in the Blues booth via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, Mr. Federko, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And same to you, Randy. Well, let's start with this because you wound up your career with the Red Wings. You have a little different perspective of Detroit than I do because I, I really do hate them. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, I know you know Steve Eiserman well. He has really done a good job as a GM, first in Tampa, and it looks like he has things heading in an upward direction with the Red Wings. Yeah, Steve's a very patient guy. He's also a very smart hockey guy. So, yeah, he did a great job in Tampa, and, and he's building there again. I mean, uh, you know, there was, it was kind of a mess in Detroit when he got there. I mean, they've had all those great years winning Stanley Cups, and uh, I think uh, a lot of times your lineup gets dissipated because of that, because you're not getting the draft picks because you're finishing so well in winning Stanley Cups. So it takes a while, uh, I think, when your team kind of – falls out and under and that's where they were and now he's kind of building up he's got some you know good young players in there and, and he'll continue to build so uh, I, there's no question that in the next couple of years I think the, the Red Wings will be a challenge uh, for the Stanley Cup once again. Bernie when I look back to the Blues most recent game versus Vegas they get down two nothing in the first period and then on a beautiful pass from David Perron it's Ryan O'Reilly who's there to score for the Blues and start that flurry of activity it just seems like so many times whenever the Blues need him to turn the tide Ryan O'Reilly is there for for them yeah what, what we can say can we say about him Michelle I mean uh, he's the leader of this hockey club I mean I don't think anybody works harder than he does uh, you know he shows up each and every game yeah he's had maybe a rough uh, go scoring goals right now but he's still 
even if you're not scoring, he's the type of player that does so many things well, whether it's winning faceoffs, killing penalties, um, just his, you know, his vocal presence in the locker room as well. It's, it's always there. But when they need a big goal, I think that's exactly it. They turned that game around really quickly. What, two, two minutes and 15 seconds? They end up scoring three goals, go from down two to up one, and, and the rest is history. So, no, I, I can't say enough about him. He's just a... He's just a great leader on this hockey club. Bernie Federko with us on 101 ESPN. And Bernie, after these couple of games, the Blues will already be at the quarter pole of the season, which seems unbelievable. So this is a good enough sample size to evaluate Jordan Biddington for the year. What have you thought of Biddington so far? Well, I think he's been great, Randy. I mean, uh, when, when I look at uh, some of the saves that he's made, I mean, you know, you look at his save percentage, his goals against is maybe not as high as it should be. But, I mean, when you look at the quality chances that the Blues have really given against him, um, you know, it's, it's they've been dangerous uh, uh, plays, to, to say the least. I mean, you know, even you go back to Dallas, he, stores, he stops a breakaway, he stops a penalty shot. Um, so I think that he's regained that form that, uh, that he had back in 2019. And not saying that he didn't have it uh, last year or even the year before. I mean, he played some great games, but I think consistently he's been – very good this season, and I think the, with all the injuries and the COVID uh, protocol that some of the players have been out, I mean, the, the lineup has changed so many times uh, with the Blues roster that uh, the one thing that's been the real the real uh, constant has been the goaltending, and I think that Jordan's been absolutely outstanding. Same question, Bernie, but about Colton Pareko. What have you seen from Colton Pareko to this point in the season? Well, you know what? He's been a workhorse for the Blues. Uh, you know, he's been out there an awful lot, and I think that uh, that's taken its toll. I think he's got a little bit tired in the last few games, and I think that uh, Craig Ruby has given him a little bit of a break. I mean, changing, you know, obviously, too, with the change in defenseman with Krug being out because of COVID, he had to, you know, switch things around because he had to find somebody else to go with Falk. So, so when, you're, when you really have um, all the different uh, injuries and, and, you know, protocols that, that the Blues have had, it's been very difficult to really get uh, the chemistry going with, with another, just, you know, with the, just the, the pairings out there because they've got to inter, you know, mix them. So I, I think that Colton's been fine. I mean, I, I, I just, his presence is just so great there because of the size that he's got. I mean, yes, he's made some mistakes, but I think because of the size and the way he skates and the ability with the long reach too, uh, even if it was out of position, he gets back. But uh, I, I think that, I think he's a, really an excellent chance of, of making the, the Canadian Olympic team um, and I think that says it all. Bernie, it is remarkable that the Blues have played as long as they have with a, a guy like Braden Chen out and played. I know it hasn't been great, but th- they've played as well as they have without him because he's another cog. We talked about Ryan O'Reilly earlier. We're talking about Bennington and Pareko. When you are missing one of those centerpiece-type players, it has a pretty dramatic effect on your team. It does. I mean, he brings an element that they really don't have a lot of. I mean, he, you know, Braden Chen is the guy that's going to finish his check. He's going to be the first guy in if he needs to drop a gloves. Uh, he, you know, wants to establish a, a little spark. Uh, he, he's the one guy that can do it. So, yeah, when he's out of the lineup, uh, it, it's tough. Uh, but, um, I mean, the, 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 the team really has overcome a lot of injuries. I mean, they're in a situation where they're four games over 500. I mean, they had a great start, and, and really at the start of the year they were healthy, and I think they were, that's why they were winning games, and then kind of uh, things went south on them. But, uh, you know, to have Braden back is going to be a big part of it because it's that, that element that they don't have without him that he brings, and uh, I think that that's what makes this team so good. They've got so many elements. I mean, they've got some great skill. They've got, you know, sparklings like Braden Shen. They've got, you know, 
guys like Breaker we talked about. They've got a couple of young, you know, uh, defensemen now. When you got a Perunovic that's in there, I mean, Fall, I should say Krug is is a really great uh, offensive guy. I mean, uh, uh, I can't say enough about the way that uh, uh, Justin Falk has played as well. So uh, this is a pretty darn good hockey club. I mean, uh, everybody has talked about. You know, Vegas is going to be so good. The Colorado Avalanche, so, you know, blah, blah, blah. You've got so many, you know, pundits talking about how many great teams there are, but they don't really mention the Blues. Well, I think the Blues are a, a really good hockey club that are going to challenge all the way through the year. Bernie, I was just going to ask you about Justin Falk, a big goal for him versus Vegas, number 100. And it took him a minute to get comfortable here in St. Louis and to get in a role that really served him. But this seems to be one of the great acquisitions that Doug Armstrong has made. He really has been a steady force for this team. I would agree. I mean, it was a tough situation he came into uh, after the Blues winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, where was he going to fit in? And really, the, the most of the defense was back, and here he comes in. And where is he? Where is he going to go? And I think it was even tough for him. I mean, uh, the team going to the White House, the team getting all these accolades, and he wasn't really part of it, so he, he wasn't even there. And he stayed back at the hotel when they went to the White House. So things like that, I think, were very difficult on him. And I don't think he really knew what his place was. But uh, after. Uh, that first year went by, I think, over the course of the last couple of years, he's become comfortable. He knows what his job is, and uh, he's been absolutely outstanding. I mean, he's steady at, you know, both ends. I mean, he's been one of those guys that's always physical, uh, really good in front of the net. His outlet passes are great, and, and he jumps up with, with, with the play. And I, I think he's getting more comfortable, I think, in an offensive role. I mean, he was a really offensive guy. I mean, he's got 100 goals now in his career. So I think that says it all with what he did while he was with Carolina. So I don't think he's been used as much offensively. And I think he's getting a little bit more of that little bit, bit of power play time and st- stuff. And I think that he's uh, really showing everybody what he, you know, he's really a complete defense, but not just a, a defensive guy. Like uh, maybe that everybody expected that what he came blues and red wings tonight, Bernie Federico. Great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. And we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Randy, Michelle. You guys have a great Thanksgiving, too. Take care. That's the great Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Cardinals have signed Stephen Matz to a four-year, $44 million contract. Could wind up being worth $48 million. We're going to find out what Greg Amzinger of MLB Network thinks about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Let's head now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and wish a happy Thanksgiving to our friend, native St. Louis and product of the Lindenwood University from MLB Network. It's the one and only Greg Amsinger. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm thankful for you, Bob, both of you uh, being on your show. I'm thankful for John Mosaic. I asked him, I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go on the show tomorrow. Can you sign a picture? Because I don't want to talk about the labor stoppage <laughs> the entire interview. So he hooked me up, uh, got me Stephen Matz. I think it's a smart move, and, and, and now we can talk about that instead, which I think is, is glorious. I'm thankful for that. Okay, so Greg, tell us why you love this move. I love it. It's Robbie Ray 2.0, okay? So Robbie Ray couldn't find it, couldn't get anybody out, went to Toronto. They really tinkered with him, and uh, Robbie Ray just basically coiled more. Uh, Stephen Matz, not exactly the same adjustment, but left-handers take a longer time to develop. It's always been that way. I'm left-handed. I was a bad athlete, still am, but it took me a long time to be a normal human being. I'm not there yet, but left-handers <laughs> just take a while. It just takes a while. And Steven Matz is 30 years old. He still gets swing and miss. 
He was a five, six, seven inning performer last year for the Blue Jays, a team that was playing meaningful baseball games down the stretch. And he was a heart. He was the heartbeat of that rotation along with Robbie Ray. So I, I love it. I think it's a smart move. When you look at the AAV for a guy that's going to give you a lot of innings over the next four years, it is outstanding business. And when you look at the rotation with Dakota Hudson coming back, Flaherty leading the charge with Wayno giving it one last go, Miles Michaelis, you throw this guy into the mix. It, it's smart. It's a really good move at this time of year. And it's the Cardinals getting ahead of it. It's a team trying to make sure they're towards the top of this division with the Brewers. Seems like he is a guy that fits well with the Cardinal defense. I would agree with that totally. It's a strong defensive team. We all know that. All the gold glovers. Record, we've never seen it before. Guy that gets the ball on the ground, uh, but yet still can strike people out. I've always loved his stuff. And the thing I would tell you, inside the walls of MLB Network, of all of the great starting pitching talent that the New York Mets had at one point, obviously the Ron Darlings, the John Smoltz, the Al Leiters, the Dan Plesacks, the Pedro Martinez's, the guys I work with, they were all fawning over Jacob DeGrom for good reason. They loved him so much. But the guy that was second on the totem pole for them, when they had uh, Noah Syndergaard, Thor, larger than life, right? And Zach Wheeler, who eventually got $100 million, the guy that was their second favorite for a long time was Steven Matz. And they all were rooting for this guy to put it together. They love his mechanics. They love how smooth he is. Long Island kid had to get out of his hometown. It doesn't work for everyone. It just doesn't. Didn't work in New York. Change of scenery, north of the border, he loved it there. Sub-4 ERA and was a good pitcher. I think being in St. Louis with this terrific defense around him, and Toronto had a strong defensive team as well, he's going to thrive. And, and I can't wait to see him get one season with Yachty or Molina behind the play. It's a great move. It's a terrific move. When I saw it happen, I was like, man, this is, this is an, a front office making sure they get an asset before the unknown future of a lockout uh, comes in Major League Baseball. Greg, it's funny you said that because I just saw a report from your coworker at MLB Network, John Heyman, that said the Mets were upset by this move because they thought they were going to get one last shot at Mats. But that Mats's camp said the Cardinals did a great job recruiting him, that the Mets, Cubs, Red Sox, and Jays were finalists for Steven Mats. So I think what you're saying is absolutely right, that the Cardinals identified that this was their guy. And what fans criticize them for a lot, maybe not being aggressive enough, it seems like they really were in this case. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Robbie Ray's a couple years older than Steven Matz. Now, I, I know the comps aren't exactly there because Robbie Ray throws harder. But Steven Matz does have a fastball that doesn't get squared up. And his secondary stuff, you could argue he's got a, a deeper repertoire of pitches than Robbie Ray. So when you look at a guy that's going to age well, he, he checks that box. He, I don't think he's going to be uh, – his timeline to me is Robbie Ray. You're going to see a guy that's going to have – uh, a two-and-a-half ERA potentially with the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, win 15 or more games, and be in the mix. He, he, he could be in the mix for a Cy Young. I'm that high on Steven Matz in St. Louis. And the Cardinals see all the different nuances of what they're looking for in a candidate that's going to be a star in the rotation. And he's not going to hit triple digits on the radar gun, but that's not what you need. You need a different look. You need They needed a left-hander that can go out there and be just a stable force with all their right-handed weapons that they throw out every every fifth day. They need to change a look. And to change the look with Steven Matz, there's a reason why the New York Mets hated to see him go. There's a reason why the Mets wanted to bring him back. And the idea that, hey, come back home, come back home, you're a Long Island guy, wasn't going to resonate with him because he struggled with it. He struggled with it. He's a guy that, that felt like he was leaving, he was leaving people down. And you don't want that. 
he's going to go to St. Louis. He's heard all about the fans in St. Louis. And he's heard all about the culture there. And I think he's going to thrive. I think this is a terrific move for a team sitting in November uh, before the unknown of an offseason. Hey, Greg, the Cardinals had about $30 million to work with. And after this signing, four years, $44 million. For 2022, they should have about $19 million left to spend. If they desire to spend it, where do you think they should? I still think they need a shortstop. Now, what, what you're saying, it, you, you can take Corey Seager out of the mix. You can take Carlos Correa out of the mix. I think you could almost take Trevor Story uh, out of the mix. But I tell you what, uh, I've been a big fan of Chris Taylor for a long time. And, and what he did with the Los Angeles Dodgers, to me, super impressive. And he's not going to move the needle as a guy you put up on a, on a poster board in, in downtown St. Louis and go, come buy tickets to watch the St. Louis Cardinals. But you already got that guy. You already have many of those guys with Wayno and Molina and Arnato and Goldschmidt. You're good in that category. I think Taylor would be a terrific everyday shortstop. Harold Reynolds and I go back and forth on this. Harold thinks that he's better suited to play multiple positions. Okay, that's fine. But you got Edmundo Sosa, who isn't his slouch, and he's a young rookie shortstop. And, you know, it's a great backup plan. You still have a couple of years left on Paul DeYoung, who I think is better suited as a player that moves around uh, and, and is a, a versatile guy, not an everyday shortstop. So you've got a backup plan. I don't think you're going to get $20 million a year, Chris Taylor. So why not, St. Louis? Get a guy who's got thump, who walks up there and attacks the baseball. He's not the left-handed bat that you covet. I totally understand that. But a lot of teams that are right-handed heavy in a lineup have won World Series championships before. It's happened, folks. It has. You don't need to go get the left-handed bat. It's, it, it's what you want, but it's not what you need. Two different things. So I, I still think the Cardinals need to upgrade a shortstop. Knowing you've got the depth that's already there with guys who can play the position, I think Taylor's a terrific experimental option. Greg, I wanted to ask you about the 2022 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. There's a lot of names we could get into, but I want to focus on two. What do you think about David Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez's chances? I think David Ortiz eventually gets in. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is one of the great ambassadors of the game. His name on the Mitchell Report is going to hold him off, and there are going to be some writers that don't vote for him. But his popularity is through the roof, and what he did for baseball was nothing but good. Nothing but good, and he, he's just one. He uh, is, is is a huge celebrity that happens to be a baseball player. You can say the same thing about Alex Rodriguez. Maybe the most well known name, uh, other than Derek Jeter, to go on to a Hall of Fame ballot in recent memory. Um, but the issue there, it just you, as 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 hard as he has worked to get us to forget about what happened, <laughs> and, and in many ways. He's done a very good job of that. I don't think people even remember that he sued baseball or that he was on a sports talk radio station in New York City, uh, you know, complaining about Rob Manfred and the league office and uh, how he is, you know, being screwed over. And out of nowhere, poof, he ends up being the face of baseball. He flies with the commissioner uh, as, you know, the great face of the sport when they go to England. And, and it, it's amazing what he has become as a broadcaster in this next stage of his professional baseball career. I, I still don't think uh, you will get the voting support. Um, for me, Alex Rodriguez's future on the Hall of Fame ballot will be defined by the final year on the ballot of Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. If they do not get in, Alex Rodriguez will never get in. Greg Amzinger, before we let you go, your number one Thanksgiving side. Oh, my goodness. That is really tough. 
you know, I'm going to go with something that people think is gross. Matter of fact, and matter of fact, it's the only side that is made when we get together for Thanksgiving that I eat. No one else eats it. The cranberry sauce. Mm-hmm. And no one else likes it. I love it. I'm a Jello guy, so to me, it's like if you took uh, stuffing and Jello and mixed it together, you get cranberry sauce. So I'm in heaven. So cranberry sauce is my go-to Thanksgiving side. Nothing wrong at all with cranberry sauce. Michelle thinks there is, but I say, hey, nothing wrong at all. I'm sorry, Greg. I I just see the great care you take with your hair and your clothes. I didn't expect you to be the cranberry sauce out of a can guy. I'm a sauce guy anyway, Michelle. So what I do is I put it on my plate, and and every bite of every part of the Thanksgiving (laughs) meal I have cranberry sauce with it. So turkey with a little sliver of cranberry sauce. Stuffing with a little, I shovel some cranberry sauce on there. My wife thinks it's repulsive, and she almost wants to hide me when we eat Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) So I can eat so no one watches this. But I absolutely love cranberry sauce all over my Thanksgiving meal. Greg, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for coming out on Wednesday, Thanksgiving Eve. Enjoy some time off, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. I'm thankful for both of you. And we're thankful for you. You're the man. Appreciate it. That's Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. Coming up with Carriker and Smallman, a late edition of The Fight. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, a late edition of The Fight, because we just wrapped up our conversation with Greg Amzinger. So thank you to Craig, who joins us now to be Randy's competition, for jumping on with us a little late. How you doing, Craig? Uh, good, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for asking. Are you ready for your Thanksgiving? Uh, as ready as I'm going to be. Are you in charge of the turkey? Are you in charge of any sides? What's your role here? I am in charge of nothing. I uh, I ordered the turkey from Deerbirds. Love it. And uh, the, uh, my wife made a brisket last week, so Ooh. we're all good to go. A brisket. That sounds like an interesting addition to the Thanksgiving table. Yeah, it, uh, it should be good. We like to mix it up. Awesome. Well, good luck to you today, Craig, and I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks, you too. All right, question number one. The American Football League got into the act of Thanksgiving football during its inaugural season in 1960. Which franchise hosted the AFL's first Thanksgiving game? Was it the New York Titans, the Los Angeles Chargers, or the Baltimore Colts? Um, I'll say the Baltimore Colts. All right, Craig, question number two. What Cardinals pitcher is known for giving Tony La Russa a middle finger salute from the bullpen? <laughs> Was it Julian Tavares, Steve Klein, or Al Reyes? Um, I, wow, I don't know that one either. Uh, give me the choices again. We have Julian Tavares, Steve Klein, or Al Reyes? Uh, I think it was actually Steve Klein. Question number three for you, Craig. Who is the only U.S. president to have been a club member at Augusta National? Is it Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush, or Dwight Eisenhower? Um, 
let's say George W. Bush. All right, question number four. The Cowboys suffered their first Thanksgiving shutout in 1989. Which NFC East rival did Dallas fall 27 to nothing in what has, beco- has what has come to be known as the Bounty Bowl? Was it New York, Washington, or Philadelphia? Uh, I believe that was Philadelphia. All right, we're checking our score here. Waving in Randy, who's coming in. Craig, how do you feel? Give me a confidence check. Uh, not great. <laughs> the old mo, not great. Randy, the old mo, not great. Not great. Uh, Randy, please say good morning to Craig. Craig, good morning. How are you? <laughs> uh, pretty good, Randy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thanks for hosting. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. All right, you Randy. Too. You ready? Ready. The American Football League got into the act of Thanksgiving football during its inaugural season in 1960. Which franchise hosted the AFL's first Thanksgiving game? First Thanksgiving game in the AFL. And this was in 1960. You got it. I'm going to do the lifeline here. New York Titans, Los Angeles Chargers, Baltimore Colts. Well, the Baltimore Colts were in the NFL. So I'm going to go with the New York Titans, who became the New York Jets. All right, question number two, Randy. What Cardinals pitcher is known for giving Tony La Russa a middle finger salute from the bullpen? I'm sure that many did, but just one on camera, and that was Steve Klein. I'm sure there were several, though, that did not make the airwaves. <laughs> uh, Randy, who is the only U.S. president to have been a club member at Augusta National? Only U.S. president to have been a club member at Augusta? I'm guessing that this is not recent. Who was... Okay. I'm trying to think of... Uh... I don't think Jimmy Carter being from Georgia was much of a golfer so I'm going to go with a person that really enjoyed golf I'm going to go with somebody who's relatively recent I'm guessing FDR didn't play a lot of golf Randy (laughs) just saying what is that bad (laughs) um (laughs) so uh Truman Ike I don't think the Kennedys know. Um, you know, I, I'm i going to go between LBJ and Nixon. And, and I don't think Ford was. I'll go LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson. I love listening to Randy go through presidents like he goes through athletes. That was impressive. Listening to you try to deduce which president you think might have enjoyed golf enough to be a club member at Augusta National. Oh, thanks. All right, Randy, question number four. The Cowboys suffered their first Thanksgiving shutout in 1989. Which NFC East rival did Dallas fall 27 to nothing in what has become to be known as the Bounty Bowl? That would have been... Uh, Buddy Ryan and the Philadelphia Eagles after the earlier Monday night game that became known as the body bag game. Close fight as we head into our Thanksgiving break. Did Craig defeat Randy or is Randy going to play those sounders as we had to do a long weekend? Andrew, let him know. The 
fighter and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions, providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Just win, baby. People obviously can't see Randy, but he just, uh, he wiped his brow because he was stressed about that yeah. one. <laughs> Craig, he just beat you. He just edged you out three to two. He got that fourth one correct. I thought it was going to the tiebreaker. I don't know about you, Andrew, but I thought we were headed to the tiebreaker. It was close. It was close. So the franchise that hosted the AFL's first Thanksgiving game was the New York Titans. Steve Klein is the Cardinals pitcher known for giving Tony La Russa a middle finger salute from the bullpen. The only U.S. president to have been a club member at Augusta National was Dwight Eisenhower. Dwight? Okay. I, I mentioned him. I just didn't pick him. You did mention him. But, but I mentioned a lot of guys. <laughs> I, was say, I think you mentioned like 30 presidents. But um, Okay, so the Cowboys suffered their first Thanksgiving shutout in 1989. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles in what has come to be known as the Bounty Bowl. Craig, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. And, again, we hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. You too. Thank you very much. All right. We had a poll earlier and we want your votes on Twitter. I have put it on Twitter. Uh, So here's the way it worked. We had each person, Andrew, Michelle, Randy, get to pick a game tomorrow, a dessert and three sides. Andrew picked cheesy potatoes, green bean casserole, uh, Bill Saints tomorrow, deviled eggs, and then gooey butter cake. Kind of a non-traditional choice, but very good ones. Except Michelle hated the deviled eggs choice. I hated it, and we let gooey butter cake slide, but what is this, a Tuesday in May? I mean, we're talking Thanksgiving. I thought we were going Thanksgiving-specific desserts, but we'll give it to them. Okay. Michelle went with stuffing, sweet potatoes, caramel apple pie, cornbread, and Raiders Cowboys. Great choices. I took French silk pie with my first, so I win because of that. Is that uh, a traditional Thanksgiving dessert? Oh, big time, yeah. Really? Yeah, Maybe not you, the Smallman House. I mean, I had yeah. a bite of it this morning. Delicious, but I didn't know that that's what a lot of people were throwing yeah. out there. Google Thanksgiving desserts and it'll be there. Okay, great. Uh, French silk pie, mac and cheese, and this is salt and smoke, smoke mac and cheese, by the way, that I make at home on the Traeger. Uh, mashed potatoes, bears, lions, traditional, and then cranberry relish. Right now, as we speak... The Twitter poll has Andrew ahead, 44.4%, Michelle at 40.7%, and Randy lagging behind at 14.9%. That's 268 votes, and you have to vote. We've got, oh, just a few, well, 38 minutes left. Uh, Vote Smallman. I have stuffing. That's all you need to know. Andrew, sleep with one eye open. Okay, I'm coming for you. I think people really appreciate the deviled eggs. I really do. I think it's it's a sleeper. It's a polarizing choice. It's a polarizing choice. Yeah, Definitely. So the fight is complete. Coming up next, the Cardinals sign their pitcher for the starting rotation for 2022. We'll talk about the addition of Stephen Matz to the Cardinals and a little controversy in New York about it, too. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by... Together Credit Union, here for St. Louis, here to help you achieve more with your money.
It's 9.03 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Multiple reports say that the Cardinals are signing former Blue Jays and Mets left-hander Stephen Matz. He was a free agent who had not been issued the qualifying offer by the Blue Jays, so he will come to St. Louis and not require any compensation. Last year in Toronto, Matt's 14-7 and with a 3.82 earned run average. In 150.2 innings, he only walked a total of 43. And Michelle, that to me is the most attractive statistic for Matt's with the Cardinals, that he's allowed only 2.7 walks per nine innings. He doesn't allow a ton of home runs, and He's a guy that will put the Cardinal defense to work, which is what they were looking for. A middle-of-the-rotation guy that can make the defense work. Yeah, throw strikes, utilize that defense. And I'm sure when he was surveying the landscape of teams that were available to him, the Mets, the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Jays were in on him. He had options. But this Cardinals defense is probably so attractive to any pitcher, but especially a pitcher like Steve, uh, (coughs) excuse me, like Matt's. And the Mets apparently really did want him back. Michelle mentioned the other teams, and at the top of that list was the Mets, and they're none too happy this morning, apparently. No, so John Heyman had a report that the Mets were really upset about this because they thought that they were going to have one final chance at him. And Steve Cohen, their owner, actually tweets this. I'm not happy this morning. I've never seen such unprofessional behavior exhibited by a player's agent. I guess words and promises don't matter. And John Heyman following up saying that Matz's camp said the Cardinals did a great job recruiting. That's a good thing that the Cardinals recruited, went hard after a guy. And one thing that Steve Cohen is going to have to get used to in sports, and I would think that in business it's this way, nothing is done until somebody signs on the dotted line. So he's right. Words and promises do not mean anything when you're in sports. You would think that he would understand that as someone that's obviously been very successful in business and in his professional life, that until a deal is signed, sealed, delivered, and you get it across that finish line, that it is not done, especially when this person has a lot of options out there and teams are aggressively pursuing them. You would think that even if you got a promise or that you got words that indicated that he might be returning to the Mets or going home, that you would want to be the one to get that ball over the finish line. And he's got enough money to do it. That's the thing. Exactly. But like Greg Amsinger said, maybe it was just never going to happen for Matt's, who's from Long Island. Maybe he decided, maybe his agents, I'm just speculating here, maybe the agents were giving the Mets more of a good feeling than Matt's would have if he had been doing the negotiating, negotiating himself. Because as Greg said, there was a lot of things in New York in terms of pressure, in terms of... Uh, playing in his hometown that won't exist here in St. Louis. Also, we don't know the intricacies of what went down between the Mets and Matt's camp, but I don't really know what unprofessional behavior could be exhibited because even if you verbally say this is where we're going to end up and let's get a deal done, if something else presents itself that is a better option, the player and the agent are always going to do what's best for the player, right. and they don't owe you or your organization anything. All they have to do is find the best landing spot for them, and if the Cardinals came in with a better offer, then guess what? Those words don't matter anymore. This is how business works, so I don't know how that is that unprofessional. Michelle, as you mentioned when we were talking about this during the break, the Cardinals have taken a lot of heat over the years, deservedly so, I might add, for being the bridesmaid and saying, well, 
we, we finished second in the bidding for free agent X. For John Heyman to say that the Cardinals did a good job of recruiting and beat out some pretty substantial clubs in terms of their desire to have Steven Matz, I look at that as a real positive as well. It wasn't like they just threw $85 million at Mike Leake. They got Matz at a good price. Absolutely. And they were aggressive and they clearly did a great job recruiting. But I think that the Cardinals have a very appealing situation right now for a free agent, especially as we mentioned, a pitcher with the skill set of Matt's. He fits in very well here. This is a place that he knows that he can slot in and have some success and have a chance to win. But whether it's Paul Goldschmidt or, or Nolan Arenado, there are players out there that are in different organizations that still look at St. Louis as a desirable place yeah. to be. And even though the Cardinals had some down points last season, I think people are looking at the fact that you still have Yadier Molina and Adam Wayne right here that the Cardinals are probably going to go for it with their last year you have great anchors in Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato. you have a young exciting and blossoming outfield you have Jack Flaherty Dakota Hudson some young pitchers that you're excited in and you have a team that has a chance to really go for it in a place where baseball really matters now yesterday we talked about and every baseball fan friend of mine was daydreaming about Max Scherzer Mm -hmm. coming back home. The Cardinals have roughly $20 million left to spend. He's not coming back home. They aren't getting Seager. They aren't getting Correa. They probably aren't getting Story at that price. They aren't getting Simeon. So if the Cardinals have a desire to go out and spend, my guess would be that it would be for bench and bullpen help. They would still like to sign Luis Garcia, and I would have no problems with that. And if they could go out and get a good, solid outfielder, a left-handed hitting outfielder for the bench, I think that would take care of what they need to take care of. Not what they need to take care of, but what they want to take care of this offseason. Yeah, I'm with you. I know a lot of people were dreaming about Max Scherzer. We We were. were. We talked about it yesterday. It would have been an incredible storyline and obviously a great addition to this Cardinal staff. But it does seem like with the resources left available to the Cardinals that they will make some supplementing moves here. But I don't think that they're done by any means. It does really seem like they have figured out who they want and what's going to be best for them, and they're going for it. And one thing, and the Cardinals have never deviated from this under the Bill DeWitt ownership, is they have a budget that they work within, and I would be stunned if we ever reach a point under the Bill DeWitt Jr. ownership if they would ever have a blow-out-the-budget year like the Padres have had for the last couple of years. Dodgers are in a different universe. The The White Sox seem to be headed that direction now. They're signing Kendall Graveman to a big contract. There are teams that are willing to blow out the budget, and the Cardinals are pretty disciplined about building a team within a budget and then staying within that budget. And maybe what they do is go out and get a reliever and get a hitter and have, as Bill DeWitt Jr. calls it, dry powder in case they need to make a trade during the season. Which is why we we knew that Max Scherzer was a long shot, but if you look at it, he would seemingly be the only guy you would deviate from from the, mm-hmm. the typical formula for. The Cardinals have talked about how not going out and getting him when he was available to them earlier was a mistake. He's a St. Louis guy. He's a guy that could have and a lot of people think should have won a Cy Young this year. He's still got a lot left in the tank and would have been an unbelievable addition to the staff. So I think a lot of people thought if they were going to go outside of their comfort zone, he would be the guy to go out in there and do it for. So rotation, I want you to, know, to tell me, because I, I am reasonably comfortable, 
I'm not totally comfortable, but reasonably, reasonably comfortable, pending health, obviously, <laughs> with a rotation that includes Flaherty, Wainwright, Matts, Hudson, Michaelis. I still have questions about a lot of these guys, as you said, pending health, but I do feel pretty comfortable with that group. Yeah, if they're pitching, I'm, I'm good with them. Correct. The problem is, is that a lot of them haven't pitched a lot. That's the question that everybody has, and pretty much every team is, even the Dodgers are going to deal with that in 2022. Regardless of who they bring back, even Max Scherzer with the dead arm in the playoffs, mm -hmm. Every team is going to have questions about the health of their starting pitching at the beginning of the season. I'm really looking forward to seeing Dakota Hudson. What an X factor he could be. No doubt. He could change things dramatically, and hopefully he'll be in a spot where he can give the Cardinals enough quality innings. And we mentioned this. We should mention it again, that this probably moves, well, certainly at the beginning of the season, moves Alex Reyes back into the bullpen. Whether or not he'll be the closer, we don't know. But Reyes is a pretty significant bullpen piece, and that might be where his career goes now. For all of our hopes about him eventually becoming a starter, looks now like he's going to be a relief pitcher. Are you comfortable with that? I would love to see him as a starter. So I, I. I'm not happy about the fact that he'll probably go the direction now of Trevor Rosenthal and wind up spending his career in the bullpen. I always wanted to see what he could be as a starting pitcher. Yeah, I did and too. And so even though we've seen him have success in that bullpen role, I just thought 2022 was the year to really see what he could potentially be. And he was always targeted as a starter. You always thought he was going to be one of the Cardinals' main guys. So it's sad for me that that might not be the the option anymore. Yeah. Uh, text in to my phone says oh. sounds like it's happening today in terms of finalizing an agreement for the uh, NFL STL lawsuit so probably gets finalized today and that was first reported last night by Ben Fredrickson and Joel Courier at stltoday.com that is today's big thing here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, a visit with Mizzou quarterback Connor Bazelock as the Tigers get ready to take on Arkansas in the regular season finale. Connor Bazelock next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on this Thanksgiving week and a chance to visit with the quarterback at the University of Missouri, Connor Bazelak. Connor, good to have you on the show again. We had you on before the season, and good to have you now as you close things down. How's it going? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm sure, Connor, you've been asked a lot this week about the two-point conversion against Florida. Take us through that. Did you know that you were going to go for two, and what did you think when you got the play call? Um, you know, earlier on in the year against Boston College, um, when we had the overtime game, we, we were going to go for two if, if we were to score in that game. So kind of going into this overtime game, I, I kind of had that thought in the back of my head, just kind of being ready to go for two. And originally, I think Coach Drink was, was going to kick the extra point. But then he called timeout and decided to go for two. So, you know. You know, I love the call, and, you know, we just had to execute it, and we did, so. Connor, what does it mean to you that your coach puts faith in you to win that game in overtime? Um, Yeah, it means a lot. I know, you know we practice two-point plays a, a lot, and especially with the new overtime rules, we've got a lot of a lot of good two-point plays, and I think he felt confident in, in the play call and the players that were out in the field, so. So when you, when you take the snap – 
Did you have a pretty good idea that you were going to throw the ball the ball to Parker? I know you had on the Friday before that, and it was unusual that you'd thrown it to to Daniel. Did you have a pretty guy, yeah. a good idea of where the ball was going to go when it was snapped? Um, I did not. So, you know, usually that play is it's supposed to I'm supposed to be kind of rolling right and you know end up on the right side of the field on the run. Um, but those those Florida defensive ends are, are long and athletic and, and get upfield. So, um, you know, that's what happened. There was a guy right in my face. So I kind of had to bypass my first, second, and third option and get right to <laughs> right to my last resort. And, you know, luckily he was open and um, just had to find a way to get, get the ball to him. Connor, your coach, Eli Drinkwitz, feels like he's not afraid of any moment, almost like he relishes pressure. That's what I get when I see him going for it like that in overtime. Is that something that spills over to the players? Is that an identity trait of his that you guys tried to capture as well? Yeah, I think so. I think just, you know, going out on the field, no matter who we're playing, um, no matter what what the situation is, just um, being comfortable in that situation and, um, having having trust in the in the coaching staff and the play calls and and in each other just to just to go out and execute. Mizzou quarterback Connor Bazelak with us on 101 ESPN and with that two point conversion, Connor, your team clinches a bowl berth. That's got to be exciting after last year missing out on the bowl because of COVID. I'm sure that you all and especially the seniors wanted to get to a bowl game. Yeah, for sure. Um, in my past two years, I've been here. The team has been bowl eligible, but we we haven't been able to actually go to a bowl game. So um, it's definitely definitely going to be a cool experience. And uh, like you said, super super excited and happy for the seniors. And um, you know, especially for guys like Mike Maddy, and he's started 45, 50 straight straight games in college and never been to a bowl game playing six years. So um, super happy for him, and he, he's earned it. So. Connor, I want to talk about uh, Tyler Beatty. He's the SEC's leading rusher right now, 1,385 yards. He's getting some love nationally, but we here in St. Louis think he certainly deserves more. You're with him every day. What is it about him that makes him so effective? Um, I think just his his willingness to take on take on a big load, and you know, he comes comes to the facility every day, ready to work, and he's fun to be around. Great guy, and he, I mean he's he's earned he's earned his his respect and and I agree I think he should be getting more national attention but um I don't think that's that's I don't think that's what he wants he just wants to put his head down go to work and, and win football games and Connor we talk about a quarterback getting the ball into the hands of his playmakers what a playmaker he is man it seems like whenever you get him the ball he makes something happen Correct. And, you know, last game, there were opportunities that, that I missed. Um, some throws where he could have gotten the ball into his hands and um, gotten some first downs. But, like you said, just any time we can get the ball in his hands uh, in the run game, in the pass game, he, he's going to pick up some yards. So it's always good, good for the offense. Hey, every time I watch you guys start a game, it seems like you have a different combination up front on the offensive line. What kind of pride do you take in those guys' ability, A, to protect you, and B, to block for Tyler? Because it seems like it's been a different combination every week. Yeah, those guys have done a great job. Um, We've had a a decent amount of injuries up front this year, and um, a lot of guys kind of switching around between tackle, guard. So, you know, super proud of them how they've stepped up and and 
have played their role and not complained about their role and um, they've done a great job all year. What is your reaction, Connor, when you see the video of your head coach, Eli Drinkwitz, in his post-game press conference after that big win over Florida doing the Star Wars reference saying, may the force be with you? Uh, I thought I thought it was great. Um, you know, that, going into that game, we knew what was what had happened last year, and um, and kind of kind of the disrespect from from last year. So, I think to kind of get it back and get back at, at, at those guys is, is great. So, and now you take on Arkansas in the annual border battle, the season finale, and you as a quarterback are going to go against a defensive coordinator for the other team that recruited you to the University yeah. of Missouri. What's it like for you to go against Barry Odom's defense? You know, I think. I think I said this last year, and uh, I think it kind of stays the same as, you know, he obviously he calls the defense and, and coaches those guys, but, you know, it's really the players that, that are on the field and the players I'm playing against. So, um, you know, I love Coach Odom. He, you know, he brought me here, and, you know, I love him. So, um, but like I said, it's it's the players on the field, and um, that's, that's who we're going against. And this really has become a rivalry, and you've had great games against Arkansas. I have to imagine that you guys really look forward to a game like this. Yeah, we do. Um, you know, like like you said, it's a rivalry game, and you know, there's a trophy on the line. So they've got some they've got some guys that that were previously at our, on our team. So it's it's going to be a fight, and I think we're we're up for it. Connor, a couple more quick things. I know at CBSSports.com today, they project you guys to play in the Music City Bowl in Nashville, which would have been your bowl last year. How do you feel about that? Is Nashville cool for you? <laughs> yeah, you know, any, uh, like you said earlier, um, just going to a bowl game is great. And, you know, anywhere anywhere where you can play play some good competition and have some fun is, is uh, great. Yeah, and that's a great town to be in, too. If they give you a night out, awesome town to be in. Finally, no people, people might not be aware of this, but we mentioned that Barry Odom recruited to you to the University of Missouri. You played last year, but it was a COVID year. This year, here you are, your third year in school, and you're a freshman. So I, I, I'm wondering this. When you welcome other freshmen, real freshmen, to the program, what's it going to be like for you? Yeah, I've been here for three years, but I'm only a sophomore. <laughs> You know, I, I I guess I don't really think about that like in the facility and stuff, just because you know I've been there for for three years and um, I kind of see myself as as one of the older guys. But you know, I don't. Yeah, I I guess just kind of make making sure to welcome in welcome in the new guys and bring yeah. them in because because I've I've been there yeah, next, done that. Next year you're going to be a sophomore, but you're going to be a, a grizzled veteran sophomore. <laughs> hey, yeah. Connor, congratulations on the win last week. Congratulations on bowl eligibility. Go get Arkansas and have a great holiday season. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, Connor. Connor Bazelak, the Mizzou quarterback. They take on Arkansas Friday, and that game's a national game on CBS television at 2.30. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, and we have the settlement number for the NFL versus St. Louis lawsuit. We've got the number that St. Louis is going to get, and it may surprise you, and it might disappoint you. It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> 
What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by BMW of West St. Louis. Save up to 20% on a great selection of service loaners. Last night, stltoday.com reported that the settlement for St. Louis versus the NFL lawsuit was nearly finalized and it should be finalized today. And Michelle, the price that the NFL will have to pay, the only price for ripping a team out of and ripping the heart out of St. Louis is $790 million. Which feels like an insufficient outcome and an insufficient sum as far as I'm concerned because everything we were hearing from multiple reports, including things that you have reported, was that the NFL was looking at billions of dollars that they would have to pay to the city of St. Louis if this, in fact, went to trial. And I don't know about you, Randy, but I am thoroughly disappointed in this outcome. Just yesterday, there was a story in the Los Angeles Times about how the NFL was really worried about this, how they were in a bad position. And it really felt like this story was finally getting the national coverage that it deserved and that St. Louis was going to have their vindication across the country where the NFL was going to have to go to court. They were going to be thoroughly exposed for the fraudulent manner in which they ripped the Rams out of St. Louis. And they were going to have to pay for what they did. But in typical NFL fashion, it all comes down to money. And once again, they're just throwing money at a problem, money that they will absolutely make up and not miss, even though it's a large sum of money. And they're not going to have to have any of this stuff exposed. They're not going to have to be in an uncomfortable position. The owners still stay unified and the NFL just goes on business as usual. And I feel really badly for the St. Louis sports fans, Randy, because this was so much more about money. This was so much more than money. This was about integrity. This was about showing right from wrong. And once again, it all comes down to the almighty dollar. And even if it was about the almighty dollar, which clearly it comes down to, there was a report last week that Stan Kroenke in the email that he sent to the other 31 owners said, I think I can settle my portion for 500 to $750 million. He thought he could settle his portion. St. Louis is settling with the entire league for $790 million. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, why would you settle for that sum when you know that they clearly understand that you have them in a bad position and that if it goes to court, we're talking billions of dollars. Why would you settle for this sum? I don't get it either. I can't connect the dots here. It is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. Do you have anything else on your mind here? Or are I you just so frustrated that you have to talk about this? I feel like this is the only thing we should talk about. We're getting so yep. many texts. We're Let's getting so many mic drops. And again, Randy, it's just shocking the timing of this because it truly felt like just yesterday we were talking about more national coverage. We were gearing up for the headlines during mm-hmm. the Super Bowl in L.A. in the palace that Stan Kroenke built as a result of all of this was going it just felt like all of the stars were aligning right. and i don't understand why now the st louis side of things decided to settle and it happened in such a hurry because as late as last week uh, I, i'm very sure that the nfl had not been in touch with st louis about a settlement now this mediation yesterday that was predetermined that was scheduled and the mediator was going to go between rooms with both sides to try to reach the, an agreement so that this could stay out of court and obviously it worked but it, it sure didn't seem to me like there was a ton of interest on the part of st louis in settling that they wanted to go to court and do what you suggested but somewhere along the line obviously the mediator 
was able to convince both sides that this was the way to go. You know what makes me the most upset about this, Randy, is that St. Louis will never have a true chance to get their reputation cleaned. Nope. Because Stan Kroenke and the NFL on the way out torched the city unfairly. St. Louis is a sports town. That's what we are. We're good people who love sports. All right. This is what St. Louis's identity is. They took the thing that we're the best at and they tried to weaponize it against us on their way out of town to make more money. If this would have gone to court and we could have shown the country and all of the football fans out there what the real operation was and how St. Louis was a good sports town that supported the Rams and that didn't deserve what happened to them, it would have been a moral victory for the great sports fans of St. Louis. And that opportunity, just like their team, was now ripped away from them. A lot of texts, as you mentioned, Michelle, 65780 from the 314. Why do all the work and win all the battles only to settle this close to court and let the NFL win the war? I don't know. That's a great text and a great question. It really summarizes, I think, exactly how people are feeling because you had them right where you wanted them. Why go through all of the discovery and get all of the audio and all of the quotes and put together the timeline that firmly and clearly shows how fraudulent this was only to settle for this amount of money? And again, the average sports fan in St. Louis, their life is not going to change because of this settlement. This money that is coming to St. Louis and and the legal teams, it is not going to affect the average sports fan in St. Louis. And it just really bothers me, Randy, that the fans are once again the party involved in all of this that gets the short end of the stick. And part of this, part of the reason that this lawsuit was filed was to provide a deterrent for the NFL so that what happened to St. Louis wouldn't happen to cities like Buffalo and like Chicago, the city of Chicago, with the the Bears moving to Arlington Heights, but the city of Chicago in 2004 spending a lot of money to renovate Soldier Field. Well, that's not going to change either. There, there is going to be. I, I, my guess would be that the NFL will just completely take the relocation guidelines out of their constitution, and if a team wants to move, they'll just say we're moving. And to other sports fans around the country, this was a story that was not on their radar. When the Rams moved back to California, it was just that. Oh, the Rams are going back to L.A. St. Louis was an afterthought in all of this. Trust me, I was at ESPN at the time. No one cared about the process. No one cared about St. Louis. But this was finally starting to get some exposure. And St. Louis fans were finally starting to get other sports fans understanding the plight and what they had gone through during this situation. And it just, it really upsets me that this is going to be swept under the rug and that five, 10 years from now, it's not going to be St. Louis is the city that finally stuck it to the NFL and that made them pay for all of their dirty business dealings. It's going to be, oh yeah, they settled. Or people won't even talk about it. it. It will resonate here with us locally, but it will not be the national story that it deserved to be. Yeah. And so... The number is $790 million, expected to be finalized later today, and there there you have it. That's the number that is going to uh, be the number after the, the initial lawsuit asked for the $550 million relocation fee that Kroenke paid, the $100 million that was left on the dome debt, the couple of hundred million dollars that was left, that was lost in tax revenue. And they had also asked for the difference in the value of the franchise, the Rams franchise, when they left to St. Louis, left St. Louis, which was $1.45 billion. And what it is now nearly, or more than $4 billion, $4.5 billion, their actual damage request for a case that most lawyers thought they were going to win was $4 billion, and they're accepting 790 Seems like an L to me. It does. Let's go to Courtney with a mic drop on 101 ESPN. This is very frustrating. 
the city of St. Louis basically gave the NFL a way out without exposing the NFL for what they are and for what they did. You all basically bowed down and thought about yourselves. Where this money will go, no one knows. We'll never see it. It's basically ghost money. This money is going to go into the pockets of already rich people and into politicians. They're going to divvy up this money, and it's not going to help St. Louis at all. I would like for someone downtown, the mayor, somebody, explain to us if you're not going to help the economy and make the NFL give us a team, then where is this money going? Let us know. It's going to the city and county and RSA. I'll tell you what, <laughs> if I were in Dave Peacock's shoes, and I, I had given up a year of my life and time with my family, and the NFL had done to me what they did to him, he built a stadium. And that's one of the things that we need to keep in mind here, is that that task force did their job. And the NFL didn't think that the task force could get a stadium, an actionable stadium plan done in a year. And Dave Peacock, 24-7, Bob Blitz, 24-7, and he, by the way, is part of this lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Those guys gave up a year of their lives to build an actionable stadium plan that St. Louis had. So kudos to them. We need to thank them for doing what they did. Absolutely. And now that work is even further wasted, in my opinion. And I'm assuming, and we are still getting the news about the details here, but I'm assuming that this sum does not come with an admission of guilt or an apology. Usually a deal, a settlement like this would not come with an admission of guilt. And my guess would be further, Michelle, the way that Stan Kroenke works, that we will the, the discovery from this case will never see the light of day. I'm sure that Stan Kroenke and Jerry and all of the owners are high-fiving today. Yeah, And yeah, that, dis that disgusts me, that they're high-fiving and that Stan Kroenke is getting the last laugh once again. Yeah, disappointing. I really thought better, and obviously I've been following this for a long time, I really thought that it would wind up being a better result, in my opinion, for St. Louis. Obviously, the people that made the deal and that filed the lawsuit, they're satisfied with this deal. But from we're seeing, we're seeing from the text line, from Twitter, our general feeling, I don't think anybody outside of the, the mediation room is happy about this. I don't think so either. And obviously, these lawyers put a great deal of care and work into this case, and they did a phenomenal job. And they're probably looking at it from a less emotional standpoint than we are. They're probably looking at the fact that they're getting a huge sum of money from the league, and clearly the league understood that they were in the wrong, and that's why they're trying to settle, because they don't want to go to court. They don't want to risk it. And I don't know what it's like to be a lawyer in that room. I don't know if they don't want to risk going to court and they just want to take the money and get some sort of you know reward for all of the hard work mm -hmm. they put into this but the average sports fan in st louis who was really really burned by this situation is not going to get that same satisfaction i believe now i know how anthony stalter feels with his team being ahead 28 to 3 in the super bowl and losing wow great comparison and I feel the exact same way. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to cross things over with Danny Mac, The Danny Mac Show with BK. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. A one, two, three. 
Sun Show. Danny Mack with BK coming up at the top of the hour here on 101 ESPN. I'm sure there will be more discussion about the $790 million settlement that St. Louis has reached with the NFL and has disappointed myriad St. Louisans. That's a lot of St. Louisans. Let me just double check that. But uh, Danny Mack, good to see you. First of all, a lot. We woke up to a lot of news this morning. I was in bed last night by 10.30, and I woke up to Stephen Matz yeah. signing with the Cardinals and this settlement agreement and great reporting by our friend Ben Fred and Joel Courier at stltoday.com to get the lead on that. But uh, as, as fun as the Stephen Matz signing is, it's offset for me by only getting $790 million from the NFL. Uh, I look at it a couple of different ways, and first of all, I'm just – Tickled pink, if I could be tickled pink with the carrot cake that you have provided me and my family for sustenance. Uh, Danny, that's why I'm here. I want to take you care are of unbelievable. my guy. My God, forget the Rams, forget Steve and Matt's. I got a carrot cake from Carriker. <laughs> so you're good. Oh, life is great. And it's a good size, too. Oh, it's huge. You're the best. Thanks, buddy. You're very welcome, Danny. Thank happy you Thanksgiving. Very happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving you to you. And the family. Um, Okay, well, let's advance the story. And here's here's what I've been thinking about. Um, initially, when I saw the 790, I was like, well, maybe we were being sold a bill of goods about relo- uh, getting an expansion team and, and the various numbers that were being thrown out there to get to this point. So I said to myself, what would I think if years ago they would have said to me, and let's just say this too, it's really over $800 million because of the PSLs too, Right. I mean, if you include that in there. I got mine. Yeah. I mean, it's over $800 million. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. I would have said, yep, let's let's do it. Now, there's a lot of things that have happened since then and um, a lot of nastiness that's come out. And I can fully understand where a fan would say, take it all the way. And if you lose, you lose. But you're at least going to expose some of these people. And I, I want my pound of flesh. I, I look at it this way. Um, would I have loved to have seen that, the fan in me? Absolutely. Trying to be pragmatic about this. So let's just say you would have won the 3 to $4 billion lawsuit. It's going to go to appeal, and it's going to go to another appeal, 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 appeal. And all of a sudden, before it's all said and done, it, it gets settled at $500 million, and you had $800 million on the table. Um, I'm, I'm going to take it. Now, with that, I'm also going to say my next question is, to those that are in office and to those that are a part of this lawsuit, what are you going to do with the $800 million? Mm-hmm. Where is it going? How is it getting divvied, divvied up? Lawyers got to get paid. They're 30%, 35%, whatever it's going to be. Um, but that is a substantial amount of money to do something good for this city. So does that mean that you do the upgrades that you needed to do and have tried to get with the Dome to bring in bigger events to St. Louis to then generate revenue? I'm all about it. Let's let's figure out what we're doing with this and every penny accounted for. And I'm asking a lot from government mm-hmm. officials to do this and city officials and county officials to be on the up and up with their constituents and say, you know what, we're going to take this money. It is a win for us. And let's be better. Let's make this a better place. There is a chance to do that. And that's, you know, we shouldn't just balk at $780 million. It's almost a billion dollars. You can do a lot with a billion dollars. Now, my, my presumption, like you said, the lawyers will get a third of this, mm-hmm. right? So you're at 500 million. So 250 for the city, 250 for the county. 
I guess if you're splitting it three ways, the RSA gets money too. So if you if you want to push all in, if you're Tashara Jones in the city and you want to push all in with your 200 and actually probably more like 300 million, yes. 330 million. That's the way I had it figured. You, what they want to do is retrofit the dome to make it a bigger convention center space. And that's what I'm talking about. But I don't know if they have enough money to do that with $330 million. I don't know the numbers. Um, I just didn't, I'm just i just an average Joe that's, saying, yeah. you know. I, that, I would have liked to have seen them, and obviously they were comfortable with the number they got. I would and have hey, just, we're on a sports station, so I get it. If you're a sports fan out there, exactly. you're yeah. like, hey, man. Take it all the way and shove it up there, you know what. Yeah. Because the average sports fan isn't going to be massively affected by the renovations to the Dome or likely the way that this money is infused into the city. Sure. But they would have an emotional victory and Absolutely. the NFL squirming and the NFL admitting that they did something wrong. Hey, Michelle, I'm 100% with you. And, I, I, you know, I've said it a million times. I'm from St. Louis, and I feel cheated by these people. I feel upset by what's happened, and I have an emotional investment. That's right. I would have loved to have seen it go all the way. Absolutely. I mean, you, you kidding me? And see what we could find out. See what it's like doing, during Super Bowl week when they took these people to all the way through. Of course, the, the fan in me says that as well. Mm-hmm. But then the citizen in me, and I'm trying to be pragmatic. I really am. I'm trying to take emotion out of it and saying... Okay, it's eight hundred million dollars. What are we doing next? Let's advance the story. Let's how are we gonna make this a better place to live? How are we gonna take this negative, this awful thing that happened to our community and uh, and try to make this a a, a a positive? And and that's so I immediately thought of what Randy was saying because when the Rams left, I remember talking to like Kitty Radcliffe and others that were down there and they were saying, Well, one of the things that we're gonna have is open dates on these weekends. And these weekends down there at the Dome should be um, should allow us to attract major conventions to the city, which then and I'm just I'm not talking as a sports fan. I'm just talking about mm-hmm. as somebody that going to, you know, you're going to see some revenue come into town. You know, you start getting in thousands of people to downtown St. Louis. That means business for your restaurants, your bars, your hotels, um, obviously use of the Dome. And and maybe that's the direction you go. So make it a, a facility that can allow and be attractive in comparison to Nashville, Indianapolis, Chicago, other places that are here in the Midwest that maybe, you know, you might be able to make this a facility that is to, to the, and I don't know how conventions work. I don't know the inner workings of what these people are looking for, but maybe that is something that they look for. I don't know. Well, one of the things I'm just that, trying to advance yeah, it. And me too. But the fact of the matter is, is that this lawsuit was fire, filed by the county and the city. Mm-hmm. If it was filed by Nashville, it'd be filed by Nashville. If it was filed by Kansas City, the truth. we're not be... one. You, we're not one group. No. Yep. And, and that's, so, yeah, that's a great point, Randy. Yeah, so that's yeah. a, a big problem. Yeah, yeah, and and that's like when they say, you know, I, with doing some of the stuff with with soccer, um, and they would talk about, well, you have X amount of people in the city, and I'd say. Eh. Well, yeah, that's the city, but really we are the county and the city together, and so many people from the county come to the city to enjoy what's happening in the city. It's not a full representation. No, and that was the issue with the relocation proposal by the Rams, is that everything was focused on the city of St. Louis. Right, and And the numbers and the crime and all the things. Exactly. Exactly. By the way, I looked up at Merriam-Webster Myriad, and the definition is innumerable, both numerous and diverse. So, yes, Myriad people in St. Louis upset by the $790 (laughs) million. Like I said, we're in a sports station, and if I'm a sports fan, which I am, uh, I'm taking the money out of it, like where I'm going, 
Um, 780, 90, 800 million. Ah, shoot. Man, I want to see 4 billion and I want to see these people on the hot seat. I get it. Totally. 100%. But I also kind of look at it and go, all right, you win. And then you have to go to the appeal. That's hung up in court for years. It gets dropped down to a million. Now it's down to 500 and you walked away from 800 million, which could happen. Mm -hmm. That very well could happen. But it doesn't feel like a win today. At least, at least from what we're reading on the text line and on the mic drops. Let me ask you this: If you, if let's take Michelle Smallman back to when this thing hit, Randy, two thousand sixteen. Yeah, seventeen. Mm-hmm. And if I would have said, "Hey, the city," by the way, there's been some exposure nationally, um, and in this time frame, you've gotten MLS, which is something to consider. That probably wouldn't have happened if the Rams are still here. I'm not, I'm not sure that does. And uh, by the way, the uh, NFL or Kroenke, or which by the way, who is going to pay for this? The eight hundred million is it coming from Everybody, Stan? That, the, they they the had NFL. to call all the owners. Yeah. Okay, so it's eight hundred million um, from the NFL. You want to take it? What What do you think you would have said in seventeen? I think I would have said it sounds great, but will they admit that they were wrong? Because I think that's a huge component of this for me, Michelle Smallman, and for a lot of other people is the integrity component of this. And as I told Randy, we are a sports town. It is what we take great pride in. And they use that again. They weaponize that against us. They falsely described what we do best and weaponized it against us so they can line their pockets. And I feel like that mischaracterization of our city is still out there and will never truly we we, we as fans will never truly have that reckoning where the NFL had to say, we were wrong. Sorry. I think some of this stuff is going to come out because why are you paying? I I think if you're somewhere, a writer, and you have a honest look at what's going on, you're going to say, now, wait a minute. Why are you guys paying the $800 if you need to do anything wrong? Yeah, but... Cronky works in non-disclosure agreements. I, I can't imagine that this any part of this discovery will get out there. So at the end of the day now, it's going to cost Stan Cronky, of which he could have paid $250 million mm-hmm. uh, for the Riverfront Stadium to have a $1.56 billion Riverfront open-air stadium, beautiful stadium on the Riverfront. It's now going to cost him $800 million for, for leaving and the overcost of the overruns on his stadium or in the billions. So, you know, roughly seven billion over over budget of what he thought. I like that part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. roughly what it is, right? Yeah. Yep. What do you have coming up with yourself and BK? Uh, we are going to visit with Brian Walton. Um, at the time, we didn't think a Rams relocation uh, lawsuit <laughs> was going to be part of this or Stephen Matz. I did think we'd have a, a signing. I just didn't think it'd be today. I thought it happened before December 1st. So we'll talk a lot about Stephen Matz, and I'm sure we'll get in a little bit of the uh, Ram situation as well. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, thank you so much for this. I really mean it. You are very welcome. It's awesome. A great job by Andrew Marsh. And uh, do, do we have the uh, final tally? Andrew is winning. Do you, do you oh, have, I won. Oh, you did? What, <laughs> oh, yeah. What were the he percentages? <laughs> uh, actually, just let me pull it up real quick. Okay. So 43. we had uh, si- uh, sides, games, and desserts draft, Danny. And Andrew uh, on the Twitter poll Dressing was is number one. Thank you, Dan. Yes. Michelle got oh, that yeah. with the what second pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's number one. It was uh, 43% for my myself. Michelle had 41%, and Randy, you had 16%. 16%, and I had a pretty good draft, too. Congratulations, Andrew. Yeah. Thank you. It doesn't feel like a win, though, after everything we've... Yeah. We've talked about today. Not with deviled eggs. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my goodness. uh, You're headed up to Chicago over Thanksgiving weekend. Safe travels. Thanks for all of your hard work. Thank you. And we have best ofs coming up on tomorrow and on Friday. So you'll be able to hear some of the 
quote-unquote stuff that Michelle and I and Andrew have done over the course of the last few months. Michelle, happy Thanksgiving and have fun. Thank you. Thankful to work here and work with all of you. Randy, thank you for the pie. It's going to be put to good use. And I hope everyone out there has a happy Thanksgiving. We all do. For all of you, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Have a great Thanksgiving. And for all of us, until Monday morning at 7, happy holiday, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.